This episode of Limit Break Radio is made possible by our generous Patreon donors, including Renta Zial of Cactuar, Quelchrist Falconer of Ragnarok, Hung Wei Lo of Sargatanis. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to support Limit Break Radio, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. I don't get it. Ascalia. Holy shit, totally forgot about him. And Mika. Oh my god. Limitbreakradio.com. Five, four, three, two, one! Welcome to Limit Break Radio. Episode number 89. Thanks so much for joining us live here at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. Happy to have you along for the ride. LimitBreakRadio.com is where you can find a full archive of our show. YouTube.com slash Limit Break Radio is where you can find an archive of our live footage and also some really shitty YouTube comments. Oh, are there a couple? There's a few. Mm. Did more come after last episode? I think so. Probably. I don't know. I came after last episode. No, uh, you came during last oh. episode. Yeah, it was weird. We are now one week removed from what will be referred to as the incident. Oh, dude. Uh, it's it, it, It's so... <laughs> it, it, like, going back and editing that part of the show was really awkward like <laughs> it, i just i it, it jacking off to it was even more awkward. <laughs> it's really hard to masturbate to just saying uh anyway thanks for joining us uh we've got a lot to get through here on uh, Boy, limit break we. radio today uh there is a huge interview we're going to be looking at interview statements from yoshi p just after the North American Fan Fest. And I got to tell you guys, there is some of the most interesting and quite frankly, hype announcements in here. Is it really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There are. There are. There's some great, great shit in here that I think anyone who has been you know, listening to this show uh, well, no, I think that, that maybe someone at Square Enix might be listening to some of our criticism. <gasps> Are you being sarcastic? No, I am not. This is such. This is not how I foresaw this going. I what? thought we were going to have to get him hyped for the interviews. It's, Why hey, do you sound excited? Because there are some statements in here that have that there there daddy this stop. is you're scaring this me. This has been like <laughs> honestly they're they're addressing some things that we have been talking about for almost 2 years now and I'm just really excited that they're aware of some of these issues that we've been putting out there. That's that's hugely exciting. So we're going to talk about that all here today on Limit Break Radio. We, of course, invite your calls just like on every episode. Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715. LimitBreakRadio.com slash Discord. Whether you want to talk about, uh, you know, whatever we're talking about in the interview, whether you want to
want to talk about predictions for Stormblood, uh, whether you want to talk about, uh, you know, if you want to rise to the challenge of uh, going from a YouTube shit commenter to uh, calling in and trying to call me on my shit, then let's do that. Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715, LimitBreakRadio.com slash Discord. Well, Juxta, I mean, we were planning on hijacking the show again, but I mean, no, these, we've got these so much. Important. We've, we we've actually it. got a ton to get through. It's okay. I can That's still exciting. jack something off. Uh, so, <laughs> damn what? it. What? He was, we were going to hijack the show. So now we're, now we're just ignoring. Just low stop. Ew. Gross. Uh, anyway, so uh, let's get right into it and check out what's going on with FF14 News. This is a limit breaking news update. And that news is Square Enix has taken some actions against in-game RMT and other illicit activities. Oh, that reminds me. I need to set my uh, or replace the batteries in my smoke alarm. So, uh, bet- so between uh, November 10th and November 16th, I didn't get that. But what? Okay. You can uh, set your clock by it, Jesus. Uh, it's just a. That was just a swing and a miss. So. Like you couldn't have swung harder. You were like, "I've got a great I got one." I got a great one. I really. You were so excited to yeah, get that, that one out for a while. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations, girl. Uh, ac- oh, accounts oh. receiving <laughs> accounts receiving disciplinary action for RMT advertising one thousand and five. That still seems. Like very little. That's not very much at That's all. That's not very. Hell? No, no. Uh, the second number, though, accounts receiving dis- disciplinary action for RMT slash illicit activity. That is 28,080. Oh, that's a bigger number. That's a far bigger number. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, and those, uh, the, uh, the action details there. Permanent bans. Accounts receiving disciplinary action for participating in RMT slash illegal activity. 18. (laughs) So those are the people they caught buying, but... And those people received a temporary ban. Uh, So if you want to learn more about this, you can head on over to the Lodestone where uh, they've got the information on that. That's really sort of it in terms of FF14 news uh, outside of these interviews that we're going to be talking about. Uh, Again, there is a ton that is here. We've got a lot to comb through. And again, some of the most interesting statements that I think I've heard out of Yoshi P since, you know, towards the end of of the uh, 2.0 expansion. So I, I I really want to uh, pay some of these very, very close attention here. Uh, so uh, let's start off with this. There's a OK. So there's two interviews that we want to talk about. There's the uh, Famitsu article uh, that is uh, it, it, there's just it's way smaller. It's just it's not a very huge article. Uh, I've got a huge article, but it's ah, just ah. Ah. <laughs> do you Nero already knows that, though? God. Ugh. Oh my god. Awful. 
<laughs> just terrible. Uh, but the, there's a there's actually a second interview that's floating around. Uh, that's the Game Watch interview that uh, they did following just following the uh, North American Fan Fest. Now there's a lot of overlap between the two interviews, but we've picked out uh, you know some of the best stuff between the two. Uh, there's far more that's in the Game Watch interview. It, it just goes into way more depth. There's three parts of it, uh, and uh, huge shout out to the translator on these like that must have just been a huge huge undertaking so uh they they did a fantastic job and uh we're gonna go through some of the uh better points of uh, uh of these interviews and starting off with the game watch interview uh apparently yoship was very nervous about the keynote out at uh fan fest uh 2014's was very short because yoshi was nervous and couldn't keep on track and apparently the internet was quote-unquote grumpy about the length uh, we know we know a little we were, bit. We know a little bit about the internet being grumpy. So uh, I like that we're using grumpy to describe it now. Grumpy. I think that's an outstanding description. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, grumpy is a very diplomatic way of putting fucking it. Fucking pissed. Is that what what we're going at here? Uh, yeah. Apparently, he was <laughs> supposed to talk for an hour, and he got off stage after forty five minutes, and uh, oh, a whole fifteen minutes shorter. Ooh, yeah. That was two thousand fourteen. That was twenty fourteen. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, he also explains that the, uh, North American community team really had pulled for North America to be the location of the expansion announcement hmm. and that Yoshi really wanted to re- reveal more, uh, but he needed to have stuff to share in uh, Japan and Europe, uh, and says that the challenge for him was, uh, making sure that people got properly hyped. Uh, Yoshi was very, and, and, and the entire team was very aware of the expectation of of the expansion announcement. And this is something that, you know, we were kind of aware of too. You know, in the 2014 Fan Fest, Heaven's Word came out of kind of, no, like it sort of sideswiped uh, a, a few people. We thought we would be hearing a little bit more about the game's future or the next couple of patches. You know, the, the uh, you know, the inevitability, the finality of uh, getting an expansion was just not there. The expectation was just not there. And so it created a lot more excitement and and hype surrounding the announcement and so you know they were very very conscious of the fact that like look people are going to be expecting an expansion announcement when they uh, you know when they come out here so how do we continue to you know take that expectation and build on that uh, and and you know compound that and I think that that is really interesting that they were also uh, intensely aware of that uh, so uh, apparently Yoshi didn't have a script for the FanFest keynote this year. Uh, he says, with the FanFest in 2014, uh, this is the second FanFest, but if you count all of the other regions, it's actually the fourth FanFest, meaning that it was the fourth time having the keynotes. If I use raids as an example, and I love this analogy, uh, the 2014 FanFest is Coil of Bahamut. The 2016 and 17 FanFest is Alexander Raid, and uh, the players have already gone through the experience of the first, second, and final Coil, and so so now they look for uh, for more in this fourth raid, and that's how I thought about Fan Fest. So I was conscious about sending the hype train to the next Fan Fest uh, with so little info we could reveal. So we're huh. Gordius. 
Yes. Great. A little bit. Yeah. Oh, man. With the other two fan fests starting with Tokyo, we'll be going into detail and expect players to look forward to new features. And then we have patch 3.5. These will gradually reveal the scale of Stormblood, just like when we released A Realm Reborn. And we want this atmosphere where players wonder where the story is going. And this is our objective. Now, I think that this was a great statement and shows how how clearly like Yoshi has is tapped into the community and where we're speculating and and wants to drive speculation in certain places. And I think that, you know, you'll kind of see that in some of his more clever responses to, you know, specifics that we saw in uh, the Stormblood trailer a little bit later on in this interview uh, and uh, right into speculation in, in his next uh, question in response about Ian talking about the lady in red and he says please enjoy all those imaginations uh, that's just what the uh, translation was of course uh, we have a uh, guesstimate of how players will react and speculate but us devs would also like to enjoy the live feeling of how players debate and estimate the future at the moment uh, we are still on the timeline of patch 3.4 but by checking the announcements we'll be releasing in the future players can gradually get closer and debate every time new info is revealed i think that uh, this is something that you can't achieve in other games so we're thinking about providing that sort of enjoyment that so they, of, get a, they have a sick pleasure out of watching us debate and have no idea what we're talking about yes yep. they really do <laughs> and and i think that that's great the fact that they play on that sort of expectation and those sorts of uh you know those those sorts of uh guess you, you know like speculation I think that that's phenomenal and really shows what kind of mastery Yoshi P really has of his audience. Whether you like the content or not that we've been receiving in Heaven's Word, you do have to really have an appreciation for the level of showmanship that Yoshi P and the entire FF14 team has when presenting and even revealing new info about content. So, uh, you know, all the all the credit in the world and uh he says yes especially the character in the red outfit she is a new character uh is she, is she? yes that's no, yes thank you is she a new character is she already an existing character and who is she that will be what the future patches will touch on and so we cut out small portions of the future and showed players uh and showed the players i hope players enjoy talking about all the possibilities uh so is there I, a possibility that can touch her boobs uh probably not probably no not. i'm gonna guess no not unless they really embrace the japanese-ness or of embrace games. uh playstation vr hmm. no <laughs> and VR no the last thing we need but i think it's also kind of furthers like the idea that the information that we have now there is no definitive answer out yet they haven't given one and it's very on purpose right yeah precisely uh, so he also confirms that uh, science will play a role in Stormblood. That's not a huge surprise. Now, this one, Nika, um, uh, this one is is aimed right at you on uh, Weidegelt. Is that how you say it? 
Vedergeld. 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 Okay. All right. I was in the ballpark. But there's supposed to be an R in there. I was in the ballpark. I was in the ballpark. If you say that name three times, you get a wish. On 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 Vedergeld's role in Stormblood. So he says that rather unique character who gives you his sweaty. Uh, monk gear and uh, laughs. Uh, he might show up in the job quest. He might be a little bit, a little too sultry for the main story quest. <laughs> what? Uh, I'd like players to look forward to characters who are related to Alamigo and how they turn out in Stormblood. He's Blood. definitely, he's like the prince of Alamigo, so he better show up in the main storyline. Uh, sounds like he's a job quest giver. Well, I, I well, know I mean, he's the monk Aww. job guy. He's always been the monk job guy, but he is most definitely a, the prince of Alamigo who's run away. The or prince of all Saiyans. <laughs> <laughs> so he better be somehow tied in, into it. I mean, he doesn't have to have as big of a role as Astinian did, but he should most definitely be tied into the main story. Maybe he should just like get killed off at the start. And that's why we go to Alamigo. <gasps> Mm, I would like that. No. Or maybe he's not actually the prince and it was all a red herring. Why did they say he's sultry? Like, he's not that sultry of a character. I don't know. You tell me. I don't know that much about him. You seem to be very enamored did with him. Did he say he's I like the prince? Him. I don't know. Did he? he I like, don't remember. He helps, like, in the new job quest, too, he helps to, like, rebuild the new monk order and they're, like, relearning how to combine the two different factions of monk and like combine all your chakra to learn all of the moves and instead of having two opposing monks like he's kind of like this leader of merging all the monks together to create a new faction of monks i don't see why he wouldn't be the one to like lead the monks back into alamigo because there are a lot of other interesting characters that have ties to alamigo that uh but if he's the prince that sounds important. Who says he's the prince? I don't. I don't remember. Where are you getting yet. this information? Yeah, I don't if remember that. It in the storyline, in the monk storyline. Many okay, times. if you say so. Red he hand. at it. He's not my prince. Okay. <laughs> and I'm, I'm willing to uh, hashtag not my prince. <laughs> I didn't vote for him. <laughs> Apparently, it actually is in the lore book too. Uh, so, uh, all right. So, direct question from uh, from Game Watch here. You said that the teaser trailer is only only a small portion of the actual trailer. Uh, but what were your intentions behind choosing that combat scene? And uh, Yoshi says, to put it simply, there are too many spoilers. So that that was the only part that we could show. Just like Heaven's Word, I drew the storyboard for the whole trailer and Stormblood trailer uh, turned out to express the total scale of the expansion compared to the Heavensward trailer. So I made it harder uh, to uh, make a short version of it. Uh, he also says it's about two minutes, but uh, it's a little less than a third of the whole trailer considering uh, future uh, PRs uh, and the outcomes of Main, the main scenario, we had a chunk of scenes that we could not show until we release patch 3.5. Now, I regret that uh, I should have had the short version in mind when I drew the storyboard. I'll watch out for that next time. Uh, we cut out a large portion of what comes after that scene as well. So, uh, I mean, that's... They make out. I, I, I mean, I'm gonna... That's, that's a huge... If that's a third of the trailer, that's a huge trailer, man. That's like, like a five and a half minute trailer? Yeah. yeah. That's are they going to reveal like, more and more of it at other fan fests, or are we just going to wait? I would assume we'll get another chunk of it after each fan fest. Well, no, because we have, the next part we can't get until after 3.5. 3.5, yeah. So that would be EU fan fest. Right, yeah. I think that's probably when we'll see the full scale of it. Um, hmm. And I think we'll also, we'll also have some context from the announcements at Tokyo 
as well that uh, are probably play, uh, you know, playing some sort of factor in the long version of the trailer. Uh, the Warrior of Light was fighting. Why Why was the Warrior of Light fighting the uh, Lady in Red? Uh, Yoshi says, I'll leave that for speculation. There are parts you will find you will only find out after playing 4.0. Also, that last clash between the two characters didn't exist in the original storyboard. When we cut out pieces to make the short version, the last part lacked some impact. So we asked the visual works at the last moment. <laughs> uh, we oh, del- I'm sure they were thrilled about that. Uh, yeah, I know. We <laughs> deliberately... Oh, if, he he actually gets into the time the timetable that they did the trailer on and it's insane the amount of like cuts and like re you know like re-edits that they had to do oh, it's just nuts uh, we deliberately made it to where it wasn't FF-ish this time uh, we already did the fantasy dark dragons dragoons and a scene where players can shout out with excitement in heaven's word our intention with the 4.0 trailer the full version at least is to maximize the surprise and expectation uh, players will experience when they see all all the dots connected after watching the whole trailer. Mm. I would like you to look forward to the whole picture, which will be revealed gradually. Okay, that's cool. Now, I yeah, see it, it right is now. very fascinating. Nowadays, and he gets he gets kind of granular on this PR, but it's really actually very interesting what he says. Nowadays, the methods of PR activities in the gaming industry have clearly changed, and in my opinion, I don't think a long and thorough extended advertisement fits new players. So I think that the mainstream is having a vertical launch of info right before the release with the current market unless you're a hardcore gamer players don't get motivated and interested unless they can touch the game right after they find out about it with mmorpgs we have players who continue to play for long periods so a mid to long-term advertising is also important but when you release an expansion that is close to a new title you have to consider both sides for example the finished version of the dragon quest builders the uh, Minecraft based on Dragon Quest uh, barely made it for release and the following was uh, was a coincidence but we were able to release the trial version two weeks before the actual release which was the most effective of all trials we've ever released this made me realize again that we've come to an era where it's a one shot to challenge uh, it's a one shot challenge to advertise everything right before the game comes out well, we're kind of seeing this with Final Fantasy 15, where for a lot of people, the long, the delay and everything has really cooled the hype for it. I think you're yeah. right. I think you're right. And I think that people are starting to question some of the, uh, you know, some of the extra ancillary stuff, all of the DLC announcements. I mean, just copious amounts of DLC, uh, you know, other announcements like the the FF15 MMO that we talked about last week on Final Encountercast, like all of these things sort of start to add up to uh, something that makes makes fans a little bit skittish and a little bit worried about what the product is going to end up being. It, I think it has something to do with the saturation of the market. Back in the day, totally. there wasn't as yeah. much. So when a delay happened, it just made you want it more. Nowadays, if a delay happens, oh, cool, I got 50 bucks to go spend on something else. And actually, Yoshi P addresses that in the old era, game titles were announced a year or two years before release, and you would reveal tidbits of info every six months, and that was the norm. The market and the players were, uh, were starving, and so players were able to wait for new info and spent time imagining about the 
game until it was actually released. But the modern market is different where we have so many options, including other entertainment, to choose from. So that kind of info spread out over time will get wiped out by games that you can enjoy right at Mm -hmm. that moment. Indeed, we still have more than half a year worth of time until Stormblood uh, until early summer 2017. So a normal person will be slightly interested, but forget about it after a while. So the announcement we just had wasn't for the mass majority, but it was aimed at all the current players first. We'll start by building up the ground with the uh, players and raise the heat with the future fan fest starting with Tokyo. And then we'll maximize the hype at the Fran- Frankfurt fan fest. Wow. That's a lot of Ill- Frankfurt fan fest. Uh, and, and uh, from there on, we'll start a vertical PR right before the release for the new players. I think that's so insightful about the way that even marketing games has changed in the last 10 to 15 years. It, it is, it's nice to see like a level of self-awareness there that I'm not used to seeing from major developers anymore. Yeah, that's that's a, that's actually an insight on how games are marketed to me. And uh, and I, I just I think that that is endlessly fascinating. Uh, the uh, next question about what percent of info about Stormblood did we get at the North American Fan Fest? Uh, when you think about the ratio of actual game time to level cap uh, release is pretty big. So it's a difficult question, but we haven't told you anything about new features so if we're talking about the amount of announcements themselves i'd say it's perfectly one third <laughs> but liar. but actually the spoilers we have ready for uh tokyo and frankfurt fan fest are way huger so uh oh wow, we really only got a third of the information that's shocking to me yeah if that's if that's accurate that is I mean, it's amazing. only a third of what they're going to announce. It's not a third of like the stuff we still have to learn about Stormblood in general. It's like out of all the things they plan to announce, we got a third of it. I think right. he's talking about how like because we got the level cap announcement, quote unquote, that that's like a third of the game. So oh, here's no, a it's thir- a third of their no. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's what he's saying. Really? I don't know. No, what he's that's why he says that if you're talking about the announcements themselves. They're saying that out of all the things we plan to announce, we gave a third of it at right. Dallas. But there's obviously more stuff about Stormblood that they're not going to announce like right away. Okay, well then there's not very much. If we have a third of all the announcements they have, that's not very much unless they're putting a whole lot away in just announcing the Stormblood you expansion. Don't, you don't think that's a whole lot? We got quite a bit. I thought at Fan Fest. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, they're going to announce one third at each Fan Fest. Obviously. Don't yeah, I was. I was in the PS3. I mean, I was really satisfied with the amount that we got out there. I mean, mm, revamp. I get uh, it. Just seems- what, what's what's sticking? What's sticking with you? What, what's what's the what's the problem? I just feel like there's. I don't feel like we really got that much information. I mean, we got Stormblood, PS3 ending, and the inventory, and then revamping the battle system. Revamping the battle system, but we don't know how it's going to be revamped. I think it's just. I don't think it's going to be that big. You know they're reevaluating. Someone didn't read the interviews. Ability ability bloat and all that shit. Yeah. We got the. We know that they're getting the level cap (laughs) increase. (sighs) 
<laughs> and that this expansion is going to focus on monks and alamigo like oh, we confirmed yeah. all that stuff and, and i think and we're all gonna of that, get well, was, new zones that's a big announcement too they're it flying. was speculated before but now it's confirmed so i think that all counts as announcements and that's why they're saying that in terms of what's spoilers is going to be bigger at the later fan fest because eureka. it's stuff that we hadn't like okay actually fair. eureka okay, eureka fair. we i mean i forgot about eureka. we we didn't know anything about eureka uh, so fair. I mean I you know there it's not like there was nothing. Come on now. Uh, I just forgot a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Drink it all away, huh? Pretty well, there was a lot not. of that out there. Well, you're not wrong. Uh, why choose Alamigo as the setting? 1.0 had a lot of foreshadowing, says Yoshi, uh, especially involving Alamigo with Ulda. Even with A Realm Reborn, that ended be- uh, that ended up being the core with Ilbert going out of control and the Warrior of Light concerned to head towards Ishgard. Uh, to continue on with Eva 14, I think we can't avoid Alamigo. Uh, so it follows up with Alamigo was chosen pretty early early on not as quickly as Ishgard when I took my current spot from the previous producer I got the explanation that all this gothic dark fantasy elements will be found in Ishgard but Ishgard wasn't in the game yet Womp womp. <laughs> and I thought that just having the lore for the place was meaningless. Uh, so I thought the first thing that I had to do was open the gates of Ishgard and let the players enter Ishgard first. Another reason was because we could uh, turn the story into uh, what res- what revolves around dragoons and dragons. And uh, that allowed us to choose it immediately. Add to that with Japan being an extremely peaceful country, we thought Japanese players would have trouble accepting the values uh, and settings Alamigo had. Hmm. So I spent some time with my decisions having two sides, one that's uh, one that rules and one that is ruled by and uh, advancing to take back your home or land wasn't a theme that I thought Japanese players would want to dive into. So I thought uh, so I thought releasing Alamigo right after a realm reborn wouldn't have a positive response that's really interesting that Isn't makes it? sense and it does go to show you like the how different we are as cultures because like the whole all amigo idea really spoke to all of us as americans yeah i think so i think you're right i think you're absolutely right uh, I guess it never occurred to me that that would be like not received well in Japan. Well, and I think I, I and I think that Yoshi's absolutely right that with all of the lore and the fact that you could see Ishgard in the distance, uh, that there was sort of an obligation to go there. Like it, you know, we kind of had. If he wasn't, wasn't like, wasn't there like a whole bunch of holdovers from 1.0 where they're gonna go to uh, Ishgard pretty pretty soon, and then that just never panned out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ishgard was supposed to be a part of 1.0. They, I mean, you, he even said it right there like that that sort of confirms that that like that was the intention was it was supposed to be a part of 1.0 they never even got that far uh in the development and so they had probably a, they probably even had assets modeled because they had the city in the distance modeled uh that uh that they needed to figure out what to do with so you have uh you know you have a a palette to already sort of paint with and uh i think it was smart it was smart to go to ishgard and let us go up to the you 
you know, the north and the west portion of the continent and that this makes sense. Like when he says, yeah, like we can't we can't continue to progress in FF14 without going to Alamigo like that. He's makes right. a whole lot of sense. If we, if we went anywhere else, we'd just be thinking, so are we just ignoring Alamigo the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. They, they pretty much chose Alamigo as the setting right after the 3.0 launch. Uh, so another question during Heaven's Word, there's a scene where you fight Raubon, uh, who has the same name and weapon as the general of the Immortal Flames in Final Fantasy XI. Uh, but was that intended to send the message that Alamigo is where the next expansion takes place? Uh, if you ask if this was intentional, the answer would be no. There is a possibility that the staff did it unconsciously. Raubon is a character who originally won his way up the Colosseum with his own arms. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we weren't able to use that setting in game really well up to that point. In patch 2.55, we saw him go reckless once, and we can say that he's a character who is easy to move around when it comes face-to-face combat uh, out of the three nations so uh, yeah just an interesting an interesting note about Raubon uh, there uh, that that little nod to FF11 apparently not is supposed to be intentional not supposed to be any kind of Easter egg there uh, so since we're moving forward to free Alamigo do you have any plans on how to represent uh, how to represent the lore like having the Alamigo uh, Alamigan resistance fighting the empire in all sorts of places. Ooh, this is the question I've been waiting on. Yes, we are trying to challenge gimmicks that we haven't had before. The story is originally about taking back a land that is politically occupied, so we'd like to make it look proper as an MMORPG. It's about time I wanted to put an end to the three nations of Eorzea not doing anything because of political reasons slash considerations, so we'll be doing something Mm -hmm. new. Uh, I can't say much more than that, but it's a Final Fantasy title after all, so there are parts where other MMOs wouldn't spend their costs on uh, that we intend to use our resources on to hype up the story. Is that a shot awesome. at World of Warcraft? Might be. <laughs> Might be. I mean, it's basically the fact that everyone says that Final Fantasy MMOs are great because they spend more time on the story, where your average MMO spends more time on like battle or PvP. So they're like, oh, I keep going back to Final Fantasy because of its great story. Right. They always said that about Eleven too. I knew people who played both back in college, and they're like, I just keep coming back to Eleven because the story is so good. So, I mean, that makes sense. That's what Final Fantasy is known for is its characters and story. So yeah. That doesn't surprise I, me. It, I, I definitely think that that was just sort of like a, a little bit of a nod to say, yeah, we're going to put some good narrative elements here. Good. Definitely. Uh, they're spending the money. That's good. That's always good to hear. Yeah, right. Yeah, Enix is taking the money and running. Uh, They confirmed new beastmen. New beastmen. Kind of expected. Uh, are there any chances we'll have new areas outside of Alamigo? For example, areas that are located in uh, the north of Ishgard. Answer: I'm not sure about that. <laughs> uh, Yoshi, oh. that's not a no. You should you should be sure of something like that. Uh, so it goes on to ask uh, like Ilselbird or uh, Doma. And uh, like we said today, we we would like you to free Alamigo 
from there on, it's up to your imagination. So he's really what? leaving it open to speculation. Hmm. Specu- speculate where you're going to say anything. Yeah, yeah. he's like, that's... "We're you're working towards El Amigo. That's what I'm willing to tell you right now. That's where that's that's <laughs> that's what I that's what I get from that." During the keynotes, you announced that flying will be available in the 4.0 areas, and that was unexpected in a way. Uh, it's definitely fun to fly around, but it's difficult to implement that, right? Uh, Yoshi P answers that it is difficult, but the specifications are complete so it's all up to how we create the maps also when it comes to an mmorpg you'll see a lot of refusal from players when you take away something convenient that's already in the game so the new areas are basically designed with flying in mind yeah flying yeah. is like smartphones you can't go back yeah they, Once you've cats, had it, the cats out of the bag at this point there is uh, still no plans to add flying into the 2.0 zones so just yeah, so that you makes know sense. they weren't made with like the y-axis like yeah, no, there, there would there, there would have to be a lot of retooling of those zones to make them uh, to make them work. It's a lot of effort. I wouldn't want them spending on 2.0 zones. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, totally. Uh, so uh, this is, I thought, a pretty insightful question. Are there other modes of transportation apart from flying? Yoshi P says it's not limited to transportation, but we do have the intention to up the game experience by oh, one God. more stage. So we'd like you to wait for further announcements. Swimming. Uh, the, the next the next question uh, goes on to say, well, when you think about the Final Fantasy order, you start by walking, then you enter the sea and then you fly. Now in FF14, you can already fly, which means <laughs> that the only option remaining is diving on under the water? The answer to that is, uh, it's nice to be able to dive underwater, isn't it? Uh, we all, <laughs> all we can do is, is uh, around the water, uh, is be around the water, even though uh, people wear swimsuits and, uh, and and good graphics. Maybe we'll get our ships back, like in so 1. no, 0. so we get a Lapras and we can surf around on it. Right? <laughs> no. I don't, Damn. I, don't, I don't think that uh, the next what this means is I can have that crossover that no no what's better than flying going through space to the Garlean state space shut station the fuck. Fuck. Um, oh hey, my we god we go to space in FF7 shut the fuck in FF4 bro FF8 oh that's true yeah, we have to go to space in a lot of FF9 had that other planet too. Yeah, it's right. not unusual to go to no, space. It's not, it's unusual, not so it's maybe just that'll be next. Silly. It's not unusual. After El Amigo, the next the, I mean, he said talking about going to Gollumald, right? They probably have some secret shit on the moon. We've seen the moon already. Yeah, we have. We do know that it's modeled. Uh riding a boat sounds fun as well. Uh Yoshi P answers to that. Uh the map suddenly converts into graphics with eight bit dots <laughs> and you travel around Heidelin and then players start to argue because only the party leader can steer the ship. <laughs> Sounds interesting. I love it. Oh my god! Yeah, I love. I love how. Yeah, they're not. Man, Yoshi would make a great LBR host. I think. I think. You're I right. think he would too. I think you're right. We should. So we should try and get them in touch with them. Have them start LBR Japan. Uh. Yes. <laughs> And then, uh, and then the uh, the the question here. Uh, after seeing the new areas in Alamigo, the lighting and atmosphere seems different to the current ones. Is there a concept for these new areas? Yoshi P says, "I personally like the 3.0 art style. It fits the current generation, and it's not over the top. Clearly, leaving the FF-ish beauty and also having the proper darkness as uh, where it's needed. The, uh, with this experience, we'd like to explore." 
new expressions. Uh, The recent orders I've given are about the gap between each of the areas, especially I especially emphasize when it uh, I especially I'm sorry, I'm going to try that whole thing again. I especially emphasize it when we create new dungeons, like asking them to aim for one level above to make the color of the sky in some all fantasy ish hmm. uh, art designs tend to try to pull colors from reality when they have the technology to create realistic pictures. So that's why I tell them to aim for what you rarely see in photos in the real world that. The uh, the the doesn't look real, but has a fantasy feel to it. Uh, that doesn't mean we're adding shaders, but it's more about the potential of originality and ingenuity hidden under each of the designs. And I believe that there is a mountain full of ideas and color coordinations. Uh, by cha- by changing how they draw clouds or the astro weapons are made uh, can add another variety of art. Just using the finest and latest technology isn't original, and I think there's a lot of space for improvement out there. I love hearing that. Yeah. I love hearing that. Like I just because we can make it look hyper realistic. You guys aren't playing Final Fantasy for hyper realism. It's not final reality. Yeah, no, I and and I think that that's good. I think uh, having a very clear vision on what you want your art design to be is really important, especially for a game as big as this one. Uh, you know, there are a lot of elements about Eorzea that have to come together, and for those that played 1.0, I think that you know you you remember a time just like I do when some of those elements didn't really mesh very well. They weren't very cohesive, and it made for a little bit of a mess of a game. And I, I, I think that ever since Yoshi P has taken the realm, or uh, taken the helm, rather, uh, but I guess realm sort of works there. Or but the, or the reins, the the helm of the realm. Uh, as, as soon as as soon as he kind of took direction, like it, it seemed like a lot of those disparate elements seemed to come together. And again, I think that he needs a lot of credit for that, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, so, all right, I feel like. I have read a lot. Uh, so sure who, who wants to take the section on new jobs? Oh, I'll grab that. All right, then. So, grab by the nuts. Or the pussy. <laughs> so he confirms that new roles will not be added, but leaves open the possible... Boats and hose. Th- thanks. Yes. Thank boats you. And hose. Yeah, boats and hose. Boats, boats and hose. Okay. All right. Hose and boats, even. That said, he has left open the possibility we could see new roles in the future. That's humongous, I think. Uh, I mean, we've been functioning under the Holy Trinity now forever. It's more like, it's more like, you know, like... Don't want to shoot themselves in the foot if they ever do decide to yeah, do that. Yeah, I, I think they're just leaving the possibility open, but yeah, I would say, open. yeah, we, yeah, we're not, we're definitely not going to see it at any point in 2 point, or in 4.0, and I... A lot of people yeah. got to revise their predictions for Red Mage now. Mm, yeah. Uh, the two shaded characters on the job announcement screen have no secret meaning. Does not indicate we are only getting two jobs oh, either. that's good. Yeah. Like, that was so obvious. I don't know, I know. why people kept complaining about that. Like, I it don't, was very obviously just a generic silhouette of a man and a woman. I, it's just speculation run rampant. It's just, it's fine. That's what people do. Yeah. Um, 
So he's going to leave how many jobs we'll see open to spec- oh, speculation. Of course. Of course. Well, you, we'll hear more at, at Future Fan Fest, I'm sure. Uh, and we'll I, hear I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost, almost positive that it's going to be three. Yeah. I, I, I just, I have this, I, I have so this feeling. I have a feeling that it's going to be three. Yep. Uh, so we'll see, hear more about new jobs and quote various topics at Tokyo Fan Fest. What about hot topics? <laughs> sure. You think they'll be hot? And the monk one, sure. Can you add anything productive to this conversation, please? I could try. <laughs> Do that. Would you? A little? Uh, and he's confirmed the Warrior of Light will be wearing new monk job-specific equipment. Uh, they, they so, like, then, in the trailer he is? Yes. Yes. That, that is the new JSC for monk in the... To be wearing, yep. yep. In the trailer, yep. Uh, they were then questioned, how about the women's gear? <laughs> and he replied, sorry, no comment on the female outfit. Hmm. Huh. So, no... What is Yoshi P hiding? No comment Dancing. on the lady in red. So, we're probably not going to get the outfit then, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cash up. Please look forward to doing cash the cash up. Cash up. Yep. Cash up. Yep. Uh, they kind of pressed the... The woman was fluttering while she was fighting, so I thought that might be a dancer instead of a monk and he replied we thought uh, we would hear those voices and it seems like people in Japan are slightly leaning towards dancer doesn't really answer anything but okay what does that mean though Uh, he chose his words very carefully he did Uh, question the woman in the artwork by Mr. Amano has a dagger as her weapon but are they claws or hidden daggers and he replied regarding the image illustration by Mr. Amano after telling him the concept it was all up to his inspiration from there on so it's not like I gave him a specific request God, he is dodging all these questions. <laughs> so it's dangerous to speculate based on that artwork? Maybe dangerous, and he laughs. When it comes to work with Mr. Amano, I give him details on the lore we're aiming for, for the story, the meaning behind the title, uh, and what we want him to draw in the background. Then we have a short discussion, and after he says, the image is starting to float in my head. I leave the rest to him, and that's the general stance Hashtag I have. Hashtag mute, Jack's <laughs> so, so basically, he was like, yeah, the artist did some shit that I didn't. He's. Tr- I think, I really do think he's trying to downplay it a lot. I, he's definitely trying a to say lot. there is a Maybe. lot of artists... Um, He's taking his own prerogative with Maybe it. Maybe he's dancing around. The oh! 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 Pops! Oh gosh! Oh that, pops! That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So, and they ask a very insightful question. So, what was the message you told him this time? And he replied, "The flag, the liberators, and the flag is the concept. It's not likely they are conscious about being liberators, but when an artist from the future were to draw the." Uh, they will probably be called liberators. When they're, when an artist from the future tries to draw them, they will probably be called liberators. They didn't make a flag for the resistance, but they just have a worn-out flag to symbolize their unity. Not a single mark on it, and the uh, people who agree to fight for freedom are the ones to become the picture, and that is what I told Mr. Amano. Uh, within them, the warrior of light and the woman in the red dress is included, and those two are the one, only ones where I specify what they are wearing. I totally love I totally love Game Watch's response to this because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just one. <laughs> deep. Straight up, he just tries deep. Deep. I I imagine I imagine like like they're just they're chilling out after Fan Fest is done, right? They're passing like a joint He's back and forth, smoking a bowl, and, right? Yeah, and uh, the the Game Watch guys just like. <laughs> Deep, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's... Oh, my God. That's so funny. So his response to that was, that's basically how I always ask Mr. Romano for an illustration. For heaven's word, the concept was an evil dragon and 12 knights, but Mr. Romano tends to change the number of knights based on his inspiration. So uh, Minagawa, lead UI artist and patch logo designer, and I have some trouble there. <laughs> I've always been a big fan of Mr. Romano, so it's fun, always fun to work with him. 
So what he, he, no, said, he just, said the only thing I need is a dragon and 12 knights and like Mr. Miles like no we're going with a different number of knights. <laughs> this is Yoshi saying those fucking artists. <laughs> That's just, hilarious. Just like what we do. Artists. I know. Uh, uh, and that's basically what he had to say about jobs, but they went on to lore. That's exciting. So during the main scenario quest, the second emperor, Varus Zos Galvis, talked about the right to conquer Eorzea and how small of a matter it was compared to the fate of the star. Will the Garlean Empire show their side and vision of the threat of ardor? Now, we've, we've actually done a, quite a bit of speculation about this and uh, about the new villain, uh, uh, what is it, Xenos? Yeah, yeah, Xenos. And... Uh, I, this I, there are some really interesting statements about what we're going to be seeing. I remember that at FanFest, one of Ethis's predictions was that Xenos uh, was going to end up being a monster that we have not ever seen the likes of in Eorzea because each of the villains uh you know or antagonists really uh you know you can kind of see a little bit of sympathy in there like there's if you if you look at their argument like some of the uh like some of um uh Gaius's arguments uh you know and even some of uh some of what the the Asians are doing their machinations we don't really know what is actually happening so they may be working toward their own ends and uh just some really interesting statements about the uh, the motivation of Xenos here. So uh, let's hear about that. Uh, yeah, so his answer was that might have to wait until the 4.x series. The Warrior of Light's view during the expansion will be all about focusing on the ongoing battle to win freedom from the Garlean Empire's rule. In A Realm Reborn, the Warrior of Light prevented the invasion of the Garlean Empire. Then he or she put an end to the Dragon Song War. And finally, the alliance consisted of four nations just came back. You will see a glimpse of the ideal of the Empire, but it will be further down the line where we dig deep into it during the please look forward to it stage we had today we were asked if we have 5.0 in mind but we have a brief image of how it's going to end we'll continue to sneak foreshadowing here and there and gradually build up the story uh interesting very very interesting uh Hasio, i i just saw that you uh, you said you donated to mute juxta's mic where i don't know what that what did that notification not go off yeah so we didn't know I, I, um, I heard it really you heard it what? What? you heard it it def- I don't think it had. I, I don't know that it went off on our screen. It, it definitely didn't. Okay. All right. I'm not. I'm not going crazy. All right. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna just have it resend. Hashtag okay. mute. Just right. as Mike. Maybe. Maybe we just didn't hear it. Maybe. The, I. I definitely heard it. Maybe. Uh, well, we have a short in the headphone cable, so sometimes uh, if we don't have, you the know, chat heard it. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, All right, I just resent it again. It All popped right. on the screen, but we didn't hear it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. We appreciate we appreciate that, and also okay. There, there we go. I wasn't just muted. Wasn't ignoring you. I just didn't. We didn't hear it. I don't know why. That's weird. So uh, they ask. We heard a huge cheer when you talked about new primals. Will the flow stay the same? Where Asians lead certain races to summon a primal, and will that continue? And he replied, "It won't be all about Asians. The problem of it getting." Uh, of it getting boring if it's all about Asians is one reason and what the uh, what the Asians are currently doing is a measure of interference in domestic affairs when it comes to a different region they'll have a different approach to the matter uh, with Ishgard that was the dragon's eye the Asians are trying to dry up the ether to destroy the equilibrium of the world so they can unite the other worlds and summoning the primals is only one of those methods the black Asians and white Asians have a slightly different way of thinking so the story might expand from there however the Asians uh, might have a lighter role in 4.0 and their presence might be forgettable 
That's interesting. Why are black assians so forgettable? Black assians' lives matter. Oh my yeah, god! Man. There we go. There it is. Good there night, we go. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so there. I mean, I, you know, I I think that Yoshi P sort of just echoed the same the same sort of sentiment that I uh, had put forth. That like a lot of the other antagonists do have some kind of point of view. At least, like they have some sort of point of view. And it sounds like we're going to be getting something very different with Xenos. So the new character Xenos doesn't look like a typical villain. Maybe it's because he climbed his own way up the military, but it seems like there might be a crack in between him and the other Garlean generals, like Regula and maybe Xenos is hated by them. I have a feeling Xenos might have something in common with the Warrior of Light. The answer there is this answer won't be about Xenos, but everything about Regula will be revealed after patch 3.5. Interesting. We'd like to collect all the foreshadowing up to now and connect the, uh, the story to 4.0. Some mysteries about the world will be left unsolved, but the other small foreshadowing in the 3.x series should be resolved. Wow. Uh, so yeah, he didn't say anything about Xenos there. He wasn't kidding. Uh, you said Xenos will be a totally different character to any of what we've seen. How is he different? And the answer is, all I can say is, nobody will be able to sympathize with him. Interesting. Damn. That includes you, Anero. I don't know, man. Don't even even you we'll will see. not be able to sympathize. We'll see. He's going to be a bastard. Yeah. Uh, question. He has a sheath, uh, Saya for a katana, and a sword. So then he must be... And the answer is, what he actually looks like and his personality aren't that related, but his weapon is a gun blade. Note, all generals from each 14 legion has a weapon called gun plus weapon name. Examples are Nail's gun halberd, Regulus gun bastard sword, and so on. By the way, after the 2.0 main scenario ended, the players were sick of the three nations talking about their public stance, and quite a lot of players gave us feedback that they wanted to work for the Empire. But with 4.0... I love that. I love that. I'm not alone. Yes! I think we all said that at one point or another, but with 4.0, we won't be hearing those voices anymore. Wow. Xenos will be a different type of villain, or should I say, an opponent you will face. Holy shit. That's, dude, that sounds dark as Wait, read the fuck. Next. Yeah, and they said, like Kefka, and he said, comparing them will spoil the image, so I'll avoid that question, but Xenos is the son of the current emperor. Interesting. Uh, wow. These guys are going to be bastards. It sounds like it, now, yeah. We, I mean, we've always made jokes that the Garleans do everything spectacularly badly. They're almost a joke by the end of 2.0. I know, right? They're like do the Keystone that, Cops. Right. This is going to t- turn it on its ear. They're going to be yeah. bastards. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, you know, they've laid low for the entirety of the 3.0 expansion. We haven't seen much of them outside of, w- w- you know, what they're doing up with the uh, with the Warring Triad up in Aziz Law. But that's it. Outside of that, they've been fairly removed from uh, from our, you know... W- they had the one time where they showed up at, like, Akzundu, and that was it. That was it, yeah. Yeah. And that was really, I think, on their way to Aziz Law. So yep. I think that, you know, unlocking the, uh, and, and gaining access to Azizla was uh, was sort of a, a big deal for them, and now they're working on something that is really. I, I mean, it's some some big's going down. So interesting. I got it. Xenos is going to increase the cost of all prescriptions by fifteen thousand percent. Okay. Oh, good. Why did I give you a mic? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so just like how Ultima Weapon was buried under the ground, it seems like there are Allegan ruins remaining in Girabanya. Uh Will the Allegan heritage play a role in any of the content in 
Please wait for patch 3.5 for now. Uh, All right. Uh, All right. This question's from Nika. It's a, I love Astinian. Will he show up again in 4.0? And the answer there is, I can't answer that question at the moment. What Astinian will be doing in the future was already decided before patch 3.3. He might show up again, but what sort of situation, what sort of gear and what he's going to say is something I'd like you to look forward to. So, yes, but maybe he's the... Alamegan Prince. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that means he's coming oh back in God. 4.0. Uh, and uh, the answer there is, will he show up during the 4.0 main scenario? It's up to your imagination. I personally want him to join the Scions, but with his personality, even if you did invite him, he'd probably say I'm not interested. And I hate being in a swarm. I, I He's he's one of those... Yeah, he's definitely one of those personalities like I wouldn't want to be a part of any club that would have me. Yeah. Oh, I like what clubs. Birdo just said because they said what kind of gear he'll be wearing. Asidian Samurai confirmed. Oh god! Oh uh, no! Nika, Nika has her new stop! Oh my god! Bruno, I love you. Don't Oof. even. Don't I mean, he's going to show up because he realizes that being a dragoon is dumb. He he took off his helmet already. Remember, he's 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 off on a journey, and he discovers samurai and falls in love because it's the best job ever. Okay, so all right, this, here's the question that yeah yeah this this, is this next this next part of the interview i have a lot of very 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 mixed feelings about yeah i'll bet so here we go all right the new level cap increase from 60 to 70 a new story will begin but are we going to move forward after completing the story up to patch 3.5 and the answer there is clearing all the scenarios for the 3.x series is the condition to move on that is good that's good. That is good. It's a matter of if we'll add a jumping potion or not. No! No! No, don't. Jumping Do not add confirmed. jumping potion. No. I think this uh, another mention of it see, means it's coming. I feel this like even if they good. did, it might just be a level jumping. It still makes it sound like that in order to get to the next area, you have to clear the story. I don't know if he would make a story jumping potion. Okay. Maybe a leveling jumping That's potion. interesting. Still, I I don't know if it's necessary, but all of the uh, still all of these all of these different fucking you know different conditions that you're putting on it like ah it'll be okay if will it nah. will it I don't know all right um let's just move on from there which means the story will continue on from Heaven's Ward. Screw Estinian. If joins 4.0, hope it's so I can murder him. Thank you. Did we not get, like, the alert sound there? No, we like didn't. started talking. No. It's funny, because I heard it, too. I heard it on, the like, having the Twitch alert open, so I'm not sure what... What is going on? I don't know. That's okay. really strange, but okay, at least we heard that one. Thank you, Chili. Uh, so that means... The story and also, w- yeah, screw Estinian. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. The story will continue on from Heaven's War. The answer is yes. There's no doubt about 4.0 being a story continuing from the end of the 3.x series. Is the story included in patch 3.5 going to be the finale to connect to patch 3.4 or to connect 3.4 to 4.0? You'll see most of what's going on, and a lot of things will join dots with dots. Also, what we announced today at FanFest will be connected to those other dots. The puzzle pieces are spread all over the place at the moment in no specific order now, but those will get organized and turned into its proper form. Okay. Four dots. So does that mean not 3.55 story? I, ju- I, I mean, I, I don't... Well, no. What what I hope that means is I, I, I hope that that means that, uh, you know... There are there's foreshadowing at play that we're not even conscious of. And I mean, we did get a lot of that in the move between uh, 2.0 and 3.0. I mean, remember at 2.55, the amount of things that were made clear that were very vague or very like even like 
off, uh, you know, offhand or one one note mentions throughout the entirety of 2.0, they really came into focus at the end of 2.55. And that's what I'm sort of hoping also is going to happen here because we got a, a, a full resolution to the Dragon Song War. We got a pretty full resolution to the Warriors of Darkness. And so I, I've got to wonder, you know, what are the pieces that are in play already if... 3.5 is going to be such a huge setup for 4.0. If right. it's only the Alamegan stuff, then okay, I, 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 I've seen that coming from a mile away. But it's it's always the stuff that I didn't expect that I'm most interested by and that I think gets my imagination running the most. I think so, it's got to be the Alamegan stuff and Omega. Uh, yeah, because there is definitely, there definitely does seem to be a big, uh, a big nod Mm-hmm. towards that at the end of the uh, current uh, MSQ. So so they say, uh, you want us, we'll you, see. You want us to enjoy that for the time being, and they say the live feeling where the patch moves forward and using the new info revealed from other sources to solve the puzzle is the fun part. Yeah, see, okay, th- that tells me that they're at least thinking about it, which is good. So, All right, here we go. Oh, boy, deep uh, breaths. Uh, deep breaths, everyone. Yep, here we go. In a past interview, we asked about the jump potion, and it's still not in the game for the global version. If you were to add it into the game, I'm guessing it'll be when patch 4.0 is released. What are your current plans? The ratio of implementing it is around 7 to 3, and we have read the feedback from the God community. It. it seems like the negative reactions are fewer than we expected. Seriously? What? No, not from us, they it. weren't. I remember touching on this subject in a different interview, and again, the feedback we got was, as long as you don't destroy the balance in community, we'll leave the final decision to you. Man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of faith that's being put into... Yoshi P there. I don't know. I don't think I have that much faith. I don't. I think that the jumping potion is one of the worst ideas that I've heard. Of course, it's not like it's already decided and we'll continue to consider listening to everyone's reactions. Even after today's keynotes, when a person asked if we need to clear all the 3.x content on the internet, another person answered that's exactly why we need a jump potion. And after seeing those debates, it felt like our players are seriously thinking about FF14 in the community. Oh, well, God. he's not. Ew. Yeah, he's not wrong about that. That at least the debates are happening. Uh, and again, I'm going to say that no, it's not a good idea. Uh, the reason being is that you cut out a huge portion of your game, and it really just feels like caving to that whole like "gimme, gimme now" mentality. And I fucking hate that shit. Everyone, please get on the official forums and say no. They are still listening. Or just express your opinion. Express what your opinion is, whatever your opinion is. As long as it's no. But but I I just, I I can't, I, I can't express enough how much of a, a of a concession that feels like uh and it and it also it, it's it, it's such a lame concession uh to try to attract quote-unquote new players right like that's why it's done is to try to support new players and to try to make the game attractive to new players but when the problem is that you're bleeding you're bleeding your talent from the top portion of your game and then creating an atmosphere whereby new players coming in are rewarded for doing absolutely nothing then you're gonna get you're you're gonna get a player base that really is just not even competent at at basic mechanics basic uh everyday stuff you'll have people failing dungeons at a regular rate like that's the kind of stuff that gets me really irritated because it's it's stuff that that the game teaches you 
intrinsically through the process of leveling, through the process of going to one to 60. And if you don't pick up on it, then that's one thing. But if Square Enix gives you that fast forward button and doesn't put the onus on you to learn the shit, then it's just all it's going to do is is deteriorate the talent pool in this in this game. And that's unfortunate. So they follow up on that saying, let's say you were going to implement the jump potion for the global version. How will it work? For example, will you jump right up to level 60 by drinking one bottle or will you stop at 50? He said, we already have it in the game for the Chinese and Korean client, but you don't need multiple potions. It will always just be one. At the moment, you jump to level 50, but this will change into a potion that allows you to jump to level 60 in the Chinese and Korean servers. If we had a level 50 potion when the level cap is 70, even those who agree on adding the jump potion will be upset because it's not complete. Those players who disagree will disagree if it's level 50 to 60, and it'll be meaningless if players can't use it to catch up to play with their friends. So it will basically always just let you jump right to the level before the old level cap. Uh, being able to play with your friends is important, so WoW distribute it to all players who came back right before Legion. FF14 still doesn't have that many expansions, but if the game has as many expansions as WoW, I think more people can enjoy the new expansion with the way WoW did it. This sounds to me like Yoshi doesn't really want it. I, I mean, and you realize that, he also just talked about it being a, a level jump, not a story jump. Yeah, and he did, yes. But at the same time, the way I read that answer to me, it sounds like he doesn't really want it. I think the biggest problem with the jump potion is that 1 to 50 isn't that large of a portion of the game compared to all the story, all the main storyline quests, which you still have to do. So I don't really even feel like it's really solving a problem in its current implementation. If right. You still have to go through the MSQ. So so it just makes all of that, the MSQ, feel like a chore. Exactly. Instead of, instead of your guided tour throughout the world. Right. You know, and, and I think that that's a bummer because, like, that is a really nice experience. It is, you know, I've said it before, it's very theme parkish. You get You get taken to very nice zones and you get to, you know, get a smattering of all of the different activities that FF14 has to offer it pretty much directs you into that stuff you'll be doing fates at some point uh you know what i mean like and all of that stuff i think that that is is really beneficial to the experience and making sure that you're not falsely rewarding players who are just going to bail on this game in 60 days anyway you know like that's that's the thing that bugs me is that you know most of the time when decisions like this happen it's not to you know, it doesn't actually end up uh, attracting that many new players and then keeping them there. They just, they, you know, they'll they'll do the jump potion. They'll play for a little bit with their friends and then they'll fuck off to Titanfall 2 or whatever the fuck is the next, you know, thing that they want to play. And so, you know, like it doesn't I don't think it does anything to actually build your player base and it's sort of like a rite of passage and and, and again there juxta I think that you're exactly right when you say that it fix it 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 doesn't it doesn't even fix the problem at hand you know and and I think that there's really not even that much of a problem because it does not actually take you that long to get from 1 to 60 these days right exactly. so you know like I, that that is, I think, the, the the most glaring issue is that 
it'll cut out a, a huge uh, uh, expectation for skill uh, on the player base, and uh, and 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 it, I, it just doesn't solve the problem. You know, if someone's going to complain that the story is gated, they're still going to have to invest nearly as much time going through and sitting through those cutscenes as they are going through and actually playing the game and advancing their character. Yep. Why do people want to skip that? Why do people want to cut that part out of the MMO experience? And to me, that's some of the most fun parts. There's people who say they skip cutscenes. I've never understood that, though. Why? I mean, some people... go even, Then go play a fucking different game. Go play yeah, a, a, a game that's not an MMO. When Final Fantasy MMOs especially are known so much for their story, why skip it if you're going to play? Like, go play an MMO that doesn't focus on story. Because I want to raid with my friends, even though I won't have gear good enough and I don't have any of the skills necessary to be able to do any of that stuff. You think this is why they're revamping the battle system? Because he did say it might make it easier for players. No, I don't. Especially because we're going to get into the into the uh, a little bit of uh, the intention behind the revamp. And after reading that... I I really I don't I don't think that it's going to be uh, necessarily any easier, but that it's going to streamline a couple of things in, uh, you know, rotations right now that are just kind of nuisances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, you told so. me I was going to be excited by these interviews. Oh, I love I, I look, this is this is a rough. Part? Yeah, we're, 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 we're in a oh, rough okay. patch, but there's some good stuff here. Don't all worry. Right. So fun experience isn't all about the leveling process and it's it's what comes after. Working your way up the ladder is fun. Content beyond that is fun. But if you need to spend too much time, you won't physically you physically won't be able to play the game anymore. And we want to avoid that. I don't deny the fun of leveling. And if I had the time, I'd enjoy it and I'd like it. But I don't have the time. <laughs> Did Yoshi just say he doesn't have time to level? I, dude, I just think... I mean, I get he's busy, but... Then, then level cap your game. And and let's 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 do horizontal progression yeah, for stop a while. The low level cap. Yeah, qu- knock it off with the vertical. If that's how you feel, then knock it off with the vertical progression shit. You can fix this, Yoshi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, am I crazy? Like, I, I feel like I, if you want to address ability, blo- like instead of having all of these different processes to be able to address all of these different problems, why not just level cap the, the fucking game and work on horizontal progression if you don't like leveling? Ta-da. Uh, these next questions are kind of cool, though. So 4.0 will raise the level cap, but what's the vision you have on how players level from 60 to 70? The flow will be where you level your first job by doing the MSQ, and when you reach the ending of 4.0, you'll be around level 70. And they follow that up with, I remember I had a hard time in Heaven's Ward. Time after time, my level would be too low to receive the next MSQ, so I go to focus on leveling, and I couldn't focus on the MSQ. With 4.0, we reduced the ratio of side quests and increased the ratio of MSQs instead. I think that's awesome. That's good. Because the side quests got really annoying in uh, Heaven's Ward. Moogle. I, I, I mean, yeah, they did, but I, they were even more annoying in, in A Realm Reborn. So, I mean, I it's def- I think it's all definitely moving in the right direction. Sounds like to me they're just shifting all the optional side quests to being main storyline quests now. Maybe. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I read. No, yeah. uh, I, look, well. I, I, it, it's, it's not, I don't know, like... I I I just I don't remember that much tedious bullshit outside of the Moogles. Like the re- the the rest of it felt like sort of like a stripped down version of what we had already been given in a Realm Reborn. Mm-hmm. So are they just going to strip that down even further? Like I don't I don't know what what they're kind of driving at here. So 
So you mean the total amount of MSQs or the volume of each MSQ? Oh, yeah. uh, and they say the amount of total quests hasn't changed. For example, let's say we had 300 MSQs and 200 side quests in patch 3.0. With 4.0, it will be like 350 MSQs and 150 side quests. So yeah, they're just changing yeah, the classification. Yeah. Although, than, what is this bullshit? MSQs give you more experience, though. That's true. Okay. Rather than having side quests where we run out of ideas, we imagine <laughs> players will be able to level properly if we have a deeper story for the MSQ and spend our resources that way. Okay. That okay, sounds fine. great. Good. Hey, good. Also, Heaven's Ward was the first expansion, so we cut down the XP you can get from earlier dungeons to be careful. With 4.0, we'll have the XP from dungeons based on how much we gain now after the boost to XP from 3.x dungeons. So we'll have a relatively balanced out leveling process. Good. All right. Well, I like the idea of a deeper MSQ. That's great. Yeah. I mean, just it sort of still depends on the right. I mean, if you say that there are going to be more MSQs, does that mean that there's going to be more relevant plot? Like, I, how do you? That's kind of yeah. what he says there. Okay. He wants, he wants a deeper like, MSQ. Go fetch okay. me a pail of water. I don't want that class. <laughs> go fetch me they had a that cup question. of Mountain Dew. They had that question like 2.4, <laughs> where even Minfilia looks embarrassed to be asking you to do stuff. All right. All right. You'll adjust or, it. Or Romina calls you out on it. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so uh, you'll adjust it to where we rotate the MSQ in dungeons for leveling. And they say, yes, the ideal for players to move forward and enter the next area smoothly where the next story starts. So cool. Okay. With the level cap increase, I think the players are mostly interested about the new actions. Are we going to learn a new move every two levels like Heaven's Ward? And he says, we changed it a little. We'll definitely have new actions, but we got feedback from the dev team that having a quest every two levels and learning a new action from each quest was a little tough to create a story for. So there are actions you learn by just reaching a certain level and actions you learn through job quests. Okay. Oh, All so right. we're going to have less job quests, though? I'm fine with that. I hated that. Like, every two levels just, like, interrupting what I was doing to go back to that random spot but in Surface. I, I think one of the coolest things about this game, too, is that each job has its own unique story. Is it only going to be, like, two new quests, like, every five levels? That's kind of lame. Okay, no, no. Here's the problem. Uh, when I was doing my ninja, very first uh, 50 to 60, I was completely disinterested with the story because it was every, like, eight hours I'd give, be able to have a new job quest. But now that I'm going through with my new levels, like my monk, I just wait until I'm level 60, do them all at once, and then it's like, oh, the story's actually pretty good. So I hope they do something more like that where you just get a big jump of it. Or a big chunk, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I'd like to have, like, two, like if they're only doing two quests, like it can be as much content, but maybe just in two quests that are longer. Right. Like, I just didn't like having to stop every two levels to go back and get my new move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that. Yes. I could see that. So let's talk about some of these uh, battle system improvements. Uh, so factors like maintaining blood, uh, blood of the dragon or Enochain buffs won't change. The response to this is pretty interesting. Until we recently build up and uh, balance it out, nothing is final and established. So please listen to this as an example uh, that this is a portion of all the adjustments. Uh, let's talk about a buff with a duration. There's a possibility we'll make uh, Eno Chain last forever, but instead of allowing players to gain a DPS bonus by extending Eno Chain by going through a certain it's procedure, it, it's. <laughs> What? What? Enochian. When you whisper it, that's really helpful. <laughs> but I like to whisper. Yeah, it's not helpful. It's ominous. He was lying. Uh, it's <laughs> it's it's really just an example. Uh, but uh, once you activate Enochian, a timer starts clicking like how it's uh, like how it is right now. And once the timer hits zero, it auto activates again. And no matter how many times it hits zero, it basically won't disappear. However. Huh. However, if you refresh Enochian by yourself, you gain a bonus 
and that the gap between a black mage who auto refreshes and by uh, by letting it run out of time and a black mage who refreshes Enochian by themselves will spread slowly mm. which equals the gap between their DPS and player skills that is interesting that is very interesting here's an here hang on here's another example you activate ley lines and right after an AoE targets you so you run out and then and then again another AoE targets you and the situation what that's the bane of every black man's existence right there okay and situations like this where you don't uh get to stay in your ley lines occur people might think i wish i could uh use ethereal manipulation to move back on my ley lines so allowing players to do that will be a factor that influences the difference between a black mage who walks back on ley lines and a black mage who uses ethereal manipulation to get back on it both black mages are using fire uh, uh fire four properly but that black mage uh has the specific buff and is dealing more damage is the image we're aiming for at the moment if you fail to uh refresh your own enochian it's fire versus fire four and the gap is too large um that sounds really cool. awesome yeah, that's like- exactly how this job should be right now I know like, if they could extend that to uh, Dragoon with blood for uh, blood of the dragon, it is like super frustrating when you can't use your two final moves because that's yeah. gone down. Like your DPS sure. is pitiful during that time. Yeah, right. Like, if you let a Nokian drop, which is why sometimes black mage is level summoner for certain end game fights, because there are some where black mages just don't ever get to stand still. You lose a Nokian, you have to use fire one instead of fire four. And it's, it's horrible on your DPS. Right. Hmm. Right. Uh, and, and, and I mean, again, like I, I, dude, like I said, there is some really, really good stuff in the, in, in these interviews. And I understand that most people don't have time to sit through the, like something like 16 pages that this interview ended up being. And that's why we wanted to talk about it here today on the show. Uh, so that, you know, you guys could have, uh, uh, you know, uh, a more informed, uh, you know, discussion moving forward. Uh, because yeah, there's a lot of like little stuff in here that, most people who would who would have tapped out, you know, two pages ago uh, didn't, you know, make their way to, uh, you know, make their way to, to reading. So uh, that's why uh, we're, we're reading a, a huge chunk of this here today on the show. By the way, uh, if you want to call the show Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715, LimitBreakRadio.com slash Discord. We invite your calls on anything. If you want to talk about uh, anything in these uh, these interviews, uh, we're, we're going to be getting to the uh, Mitsu here uh, in a in a little bit. There's not much there. Uh, this uh, the the game watch interview was so comprehensive and so deep that uh, it, you know most everything that they answered in the Famitsu article was also a- answered in this game watch interview. Um, but uh, but let's continue on hearing about some of these battle adjustments because this is I think new stretch goal: reach a certain amount of Patreon contributions. Nika will start a YouTube ASMR channel where she whispers correct. Pronunciations of Final <laughs> Fantasy words. <laughs> nice one. It'll always be Eno Chain to me, Nico. I like well, that, Mr. Jack. Fast talk will never be best Duke to me, so I don't know about that one. Uh, so let's let's hear a little bit more about some of these UI changes and some of these battle adjustments that are uh, going to be coming in uh, 4.0. 
So are those UIs going to be different for each job? For those jobs with uh, with a duration on their buffs, we are intending to try to make the UI dedicated specifically for those jobs. It's not finalized yet, but an example is where we organized a dark side gauge tentatively, uh, only available for Dark Knights, and the UI design is also Dark Knight-ish. Hmm. The dark side gauge management will be done visually by looking at that ui an example for monks grease lightning uh there's pronounced that holy cow yeah there, there's there's a shipu jinrai Shi, yeah shipu jinrai okay uh an example for monks grease lightning uh which doesn't have a gauge but we will give it three round orbs as monk specific ui and one of them shines with one stack of grease lightning uh when you have three stacks it will be like a super combo gauge from a fighting game that makes it obvious you're maxed out and you can use a specific skill by using it all uh it's just an example if we make it more uh into a game where you have to stare at your buff icons it will be tough for new players so we decided to make it more graphical and visual uh it's also uh it's also so players can have an easier time controlling the uh, controlling the jobs by making it easy to understand that's super cool it's cool but what about those people who have crappy pcs and play with all the graphics turned off Fuck like, would you not be able to see it and you P- don't have a button? What PS4? about Dark Star and his PS3? <laughs> Get a PS4. This is exactly why we have to drop PS3 support. Yeah. Right. Yes, so, Nika. So we can have nice things. True story. What do you mean, yes, Nika? What are you Nikaing me for? You're campaigning for basically PS3 support. No, I'm not. I'm saying that I used to have a really shitty laptop, and I know the feels of having to turn all the graphics down. Well, you got to upgrade then. Sorry. Yeah, but these sound like these sound like UI elements. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, maybe. I mean, it does say a monk specific UI, so yeah. maybe only you will see it. Okay. Yeah, yeah because this will be super cool. I mean, if yeah, if you if you think yeah, you you have like a a, a thing of three orbs. I mean, that's not. I don't think that that's going to take uh, a whole lot of resources up on your screen. I just, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, this all sounds like really fascinating, good changes. And I mean, that's, these are huge fundamental underpinnings that we're talking about with the battle system here. Uh, Let's see. So the current player need to put their buffs on their hot bar and place them closer to their character to check recast. Yoshi P answers, rather than writing this ability uses all your grease lightning stacks when used on the tooltips. Emptying all the orbs is visually better and easier to understand. So we want to uh, thoroughly apply that to each job. So it's 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 Hmm. not really changing the idea of grease lightning stacks, but it's giving you a different visual representation to let you know when that's ready, when it's down and how 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 that buff is progressing. Thunder, for example, will still need to be managed, but uh, Enochian management will be removed from the buff management and become easier to understand and so on. Currently, you need to stare at Thunder, Enochian ley lines, and they are all buff icons, and yes. and the content you need to play also forces you to look at AoEs, and it's too bland. I'm glad that they recognize that that is boring, because it is. Now, for as much as I love FF14, we've, we've talked about this in the past that, you know, every once in a while, and especially if you're doing content that you know really well or that you're not having to try on a whole lot there's this very hypnotic thing that ends up 
happening. There's just this very like I end up be, my my eyelids grow droopy. I oh, get yeah. you know, and I start to nod off. That's and called I, pot. Well, <laughs> you're not wrong, but I think that something like this really helps. You know, break that that, you know, look at your buffs, look at the ground, look at your buffs, yep. look at the ground, look at the, your, uh, you know, look at your buffs, look at the hot bar, look at the ground. You know what I mean? Like there's there's only three areas that your eyes are really paying attention to. And uh, but this also, you know, there's a there's another side to that where it is going to force your eyes to look at more of the screen. And I think that the, for a time, it may make people less efficient. Mm-hmm. With how they end up using, uh, you know, some of those job the job abilities based on how how well they're doing now. So um, it gives you another thing that you have to sort of have to pay attention to. But at the same time, you know, sort of like uh, a, a limit break gauge where you just sort of have a sense of that more than you have to stare at it like your buff icons. I think that that's what it's meant to do. So interest really interesting stuff there uh you brought up shared role actions but it's a little complicated to put all of the dps under one category isn't it because we have to we have uh melee and ranged casters uh, we have melee and ranged and casters uh how far uh, yoshi p answers uh how far and how many of the roles will be unifying as a role is up to the balance so it's not uh, decided just yet. We do feel that putting f- uh, physical melee and ranged and magical DPS under one role is fine at the moment, but we still haven't made our final decisions. Jeez. Goes on to follow up and say, so tanks are going to have shared tank actions. And I think this is where the idea of uh, shared action, shared role actions becomes a little bit more clear. Yoshi P answers yes for the actions with effects like increases your physical resistance we won't be stubborn to make uh, a different action with similar effects for each job and instead we'll standardize it into a shared action with the open space that change creates will make job specific actions unique to the job to push forward the job identity and make this and and at the same time make sure the overall number of actions won't be more than we have now by maintaining the total number of actions we we currently control and at the same time leaving space for players to devise uh, to devise is important to prevent the game from breaking you may uh, you may receive the impression that these shared role actions job specific uis and job adjustments are going to make the game easy but the this is not the case. We are going out of our way to make it simple by getting rid of unnecessary elements so players can improve the party coordination and provide space to play even better than now. That way, players who have high-skilled players can probe uh, into it even more. However, the gap between the top and the bottom won't be as extreme as the current situations, so that the ones who will open a gap with others uh, will be the players higher up at the top uh i think that this is just a fascinating uh a a fascinating direction for the development of 4.0 and i think that these are some of the most surprising statements that we've seen out of yoshi p or square enix in terms of the 
4.0's development. Well, and it's nice to see. I mean, the goal of most game developers is easy to learn, hard to master. Yes. And that's what that sounds like they're trying to push towards. This should be very visually, it should be very simple to pick up and understand, but to actually master it and push your, if you're a DPS, your DPS up to that top tier, you'll there's room for you to expand and get really good. Yeah. And, and you know, the interviewer uh, actually catches on to that and uh, says, it's true the gap between a hardcore black mage uh, who always maintains his Enochian and a black mage who drops it and turns into a fireman has uh, has become too huge. And uh, Yoshi responds, yes, with these changes, the gap between the casual uh, players and the players at the middle should come closer to zero. On the other hand, the gap between a small portion of players and the players at the middle will start to widen and that this is the space we want to leave for improvement in gameplay. That being said, these changes will not be big enough to dethrone the skilled players, so I think they'll continue to reign over uh, at the very top. Uh, when we look at the server logs, we can tell that they are a few levels higher, and it amazes me that humans can control can come this far. Wow! The way that the way that they handle instant decisions is great. Their thorough investigation for certain uh, routes are perfect, and on top of that, when they are uh, targeted by random mechanics or uh, when their party members make a mistake, they cover and support them as if that movement was decided from the beginning. Their gameplay algorithm is well-planned, where they sh- uh, where they even deliberately refresh buffs earlier to counter certain situations. Uh, and so, there you go. Uh, Yoshi P, giving a little bit of love to uh, the extremely skilled the thing I want most from the shared actions is having an actual decision-making process between these because for basically 90% of the jobs, you have your five actions and hopefully four of those are decent. What I want is like six or eight different actions that are all viable. Well, what is what is that? What change does that end up making exactly? Well, just being able to change like what abilities you have based on uh, encounters or whatever. Like situational stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, so but that, then that means that they're designing a whole bunch more, like a whole bunch more stuff. I mean, I, I get that that addresses ability bloat a little bit, but you don't think that that puts a little bit of, uh, you know, extra work on the developers to, to create extra actions? It sounds like they want to pare a bunch of these down. I did they say whether or not we'd be able to have all of the shared tank actions, for example? I mean, yeah. It's not, I mean, it sounds like oh, okay. I thought all of those sw- actions would be, you know, like provoke wouldn't be, you know, they would that would be like a shared tank yeah, action. Yeah. What I was right. pulling out is, is they don't want to have, uh, you know, defense plus twenty percent in three different fashions for tanks. There's yeah, just exactly. a shared tank right. defense buff. Right, exactly. Like uh, the uh, like warriors thirty percent defensive up and and dark knights thirty percent defensive up. It's really the same thing but they use two different names and they've got two different sets of graphics if the if the plan is to give a tank a 30 percent defensive buff then let's standardize that across all three sets of tanks and let them share the action that way we can sort of make the make the jobs stand out in different ways other than oh well you get sentinel and you get uh you know uh uh what, skin yeah whatever it is or whatever yeah right now now you look at it and it says okay we have all these shared actions that all tanks will probably use and then warrior also has berserk to buff up their attack right they have things like oh, that so we're gonna be able to use all of the tank actions all at once 
I assume Presumably, so. I, I assume I, it's not going to be like now we only get like the little bar. Right, with like that's five what I was assuming it. that we would have. Like, I that. mean, I'm, I'm assuming I, the share tank actions will just be those are actions that you can. do. I mean, I'm sure oh, that they're. Okay. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that they're capped. Like, you may have to select them. Like, you currently have to select your off skills right now. But right. I, I don't know. They, they, they do not clear that up. Okay. Um. So, uh. And then uh, they said uh, it seems to be difficult for new players to learn blood for blood. Uh, <laughs> after all, uh, all melees use blood for blood, and if that's the case, we will make blood for blood job specific and add another action uh, that increases your physical attack power and make that a shared role action. Uh, that way, we can maintain the job identity and uh, simplify it at the same time. But again, this is just just a supposition we may we may end up uh, just making blood for blood a shared role action it is kind of weird that like every melee dps has lancer at 34 right because everyone needs at blood least. for blood you everyone to needs it. to have blood for blood yeah and so every tank has gladiator at whatever level is provoking yeah exactly yeah so i i think maybe there might be some concessions there which i think are fine concessions to make i think that 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 all kinds of kind of comes along with uh intention and stuff like that so um yeah i i think that uh th- all of those changes are probably pretty okay um and uh we've also got uh, some notes on adjustments to existing jobs uh there's going to be some big changes on accuracy and parry we heard we heard a little bit about this uh, at the Q&A session that Yoshi P did at the uh, North American Fan Fest. But uh, he responds, including ideas like removing accuracy as a whole is still in uh, is still in the stage of consideration. Uh, are we going to remove accuracy from healers or are we going to remove it from everything? Or are we going to leave accuracy as a stat and add a high amount of accuracy on healer gear? Whichever way, there will be some sort of change. So uh, it sounds like that this is uh, going to be the same with Perry as well. Uh, There's a question. What's the direction for the new actions for existing jobs? If you're talking about the current jobs, the job concept of Dragoon is uh, to be more enjoyable as a Dragoon. What? What does that mean? I agree. (laughs) Paladins uh, Paladins will become even more harder slash solid and be able to protect their allies even further and we want to push that straight forward uh the theme of 4.0 is to make the jobs and classes share actions that have no problem being shared and also have each job have a proper job identity by sharpening their job specific actions wait go back what does that mean you're gonna make dragoon more dragoon that doesn't make any sense i think that just means that more job identity in general like that a dragoon is a dragoon it's not just melee dps now dragoon mm. pokes with his lance has blood for blood takes more damage and definitely does not have a wyvern that's well, what they meant <laughs> <laughs> i think i i mean I, I i i obviously nobody really knows what that means but uh i think that you know adding new ui elements adding customized ui you know you you might i i think that he might be onto something that that may be a big element in making a job feel much more you know have have a little bit more job identity attached to it i mean this is something that we've talked about a bunch where you know it feels like every tank is just sort of like 
you know, a different skin on a tank or that some DPS feel like, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of difference between a bard and a machinist, you know, like and how they function. That is a pretty important thing. And the fact that they're thinking about how to increase, you know, job, uh, you know, job identity. I think that that's great. That's that's a criticism that we've held for a long time. Uh, Even with all the changes, most jobs will functionally only end up with one more or one less job ability at level 70. So excellent. Thank you. They are very aware of ability bloat. So that's good. Very, very good. Thank heaven. Uh, They don't want to remove uh, tank and DPS stance dancing. So don't think that that's going to be going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, finally, with this section, he says, I have to repeat myself again. What I talked about today are just examples. I don't mind players debating over what is said in this interview, but I'd like them to avoid discussing it in an assertive (laughs) manner. Hmm. Is this to us? Is he talking to us right now? I kind of feel like he is. I think he's talking to us. Well, let's just start talking it more uh, passively and less assertively. Uh, From my perspective, I can declare that I'm explaining it after telling them uh, none of it is uh, final. So even if misunderstandings take place at the moment, it won't affect the final implementations. Uh, But from the development team, but the development team really worries and cares about uh, those vague misinterpretations, no matter how hard they try not to care about it. So please remember, none of this is final. Uh, but I mean, I, I honestly didn't hear anything in there that, that raised my red flag. Uh, most of, most of everything that I heard in there outside of the, the, the jump, potion. the jump potion. Yeah. Seems pretty, uh, pretty on the nose and yeah, pretty, really insightful. Like understanding yeah. where, understanding where your game is at and not like SE for as long as I've known them to be SE has had their kind of like their heads always in the clouds kind of where they just they don't really understand what people are saying about their games right this shows a level of self-awareness I'm not used to seeing from them yeah no I agree I definitely agree uh Nika why don't you tell us about uh well actually you know before we get into raid content because uh I definitely want you to read the raid content section mm-hmm. uh let's go to our phone lines and talk to uh, Zero Ash and Zari what's going on Zero thanks for calling Limit Break Radio Hey guys, um, my <laughs> I've got two little ideas, and it relates to the jump potion. One, I don't want that thing to exist. I really, really don't. Um, right now, I'm I play a ninja, and I sit at probably thirty skills on my hot bar, and I'm gonna expect somebody who's never played this game, doesn't understand positionals or even half the mechanics, with that's a dive bomb, that's a stack, that's a runaway, to understand how to play their class, even pathetically no the two ideas i have is they need to focus on not the jump potion so much but how to restructure the mentor recruiter friend and level sinking system so that gives us as diehard fans of the game a reason to go back and help friends and new people into the game and get better at it to raise the skill level and attract more people into the game that's a great point and this was something that was actually brought up during the q a it was i think one of the last questions that was brought up during the q a uh they had like ended it and then they were like yeah no screw it we got time for a couple more questions and uh one of the questions was uh you know is there any way that we could uh establish an open world level sync because when you're in 
a party with someone who is lower level right now it's pretty much functionally going to from fate to fate to fate and and then killing stuff in between while waiting for fates to repop and because there's no overworld level sync every time the fate finishes you've got to drop out a party with that person if they want to be receiving xp for the stuff that they're killing Mm -hmm. so it becomes this really sort of frustrating process of trying to play with someone who's lower level now i understand that criticism and and i i have long thought that a, a, a you know a level sync system is was probably superfluous to a game like this until that problem was very clearly laid out by that question and i totally agree that if we want to try to fix the problem of people not being able to play with their friends that they've just attracted to this game then let's talk about level sync instead of talking about the jump potion and that's what sort of disappoints me is because the jump potion is just such an easy cop-out it's such an easy solution to a problem that has existed for a while and that i i think that square enix can do better than that they've done better than that with other titles with other mmos in the past and uh yeah it doesn't it doesn't have to go that way going the route of a jump potion is just it is just so lazy and it really is and that's and the world level sync is a really exciting idea to me because say if i recruited a friend and they joined in i get to have that unique relationship uh, unique relationship with that friend and experience in the game i also want the ability not only just to level sync but see where their progress is in the main storyline so i can know okay they're going to go to this quest this quest and this quest and before they hit this dungeon they've got this many quests and if they do really intentionally get lost i know where those quest markers are because with that new recruit a friend option you could conceivably go bro you need to go right here you're golden right yeah and the other and the other thing i would love to see too is from a a bit of a lore perspective i really do not want to i've done a lot of work on my character i don't want to go and make an alternate character i would like that option too as a world level sync to go you know what maybe i want to start the game over and witness those cutscenes again knowing what i do know now because i can rewatch any tv series i want i can't really do that with final fantasy 14 at this time right right the other idea that i had is if for an example i'm not going to play probably any of the range classes i like playing my ninja i like playing my dark knight but if i got a friend i recruit a friend and they say hey you know what i really like in this bard concept what if okay i got a level 50 bard during the time that i'm a level 50 bard myself that experience that i get to have and the fact that i raised up my level cap i can give them special instructions they get um the ability to get more XP because I have Bard at 50 and they have that special student-teacher relationship. Right. So it gives the veteran players more of a reason to max out more of their classes. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, something, something that you had brought up earlier, Dusty is uh, taking issue with, that uh, you can actually watch all of the cutscenes at the end, but there's actually, there's stuff that you can't rewatch. That, uh, you can rewatch all of the cutscenes, but dialogue before or after, yeah. that does not get replayed. Yeah. So if you if, re- actually if, just rewatch through all that, it feels really disjointed. It's very disjointed, extremely disjointed. There's a lot of uh, necessary dialogue and expositional dialogue that happens 
happens in between those cutscenes. So there's a lot of uh, Hildebrand stuff that only takes place in the real world and right. not in cutscenes. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah, if you want to go to Hildebrand again? You're SOL. Yeah. So I mean, it, you know, that's kind of a cop out answer there, Dusty. Uh, and and I agree with you that you know, like there's there should be some sort of function for that in uh, in the game. Uh, thanks for the call, Zero. We appreciate you calling Limit Break Radio. Got any shout outs before we let you go? Just a shout out to the Nomad Moogles and guys keep being awesome thanks dude it's always nice to hear from uh, zero ash and zari if you want to call limit break radio limit break radio on skype 810-515-8715 limitbreakradio.com slash discord if uh you want to be a caller to the show let juxta know kooky is taking the day off we don't have kooky answering our phones let juxta know and he will send you along get you all connected to the show we miss kooky yeah we do yeah we do uh, so Nika, I would love you to to, to uh, take the next portion of uh, the interview here. Sure. All right. So raid content. <clears throat> Excuse me, my throat is still ugh, recovering. So question is: new raid content aimed towards the top players are planned for 4.0, but what do you think the new end content should be shaped like in 2017? Answer: at least something where players who want a challenge can say. This raid was also fun and challenging after the world first race is over. I know there are various opinions on the difficulty, but since it's entertainment, I think it's more important for players to be able to feel it was fun, even though it was hard, or that was exciting with their friends when they accomplished their goals. I think we were able to land right on that spot with the creator. You think that that's you think that's accurate? So far, yes. So I've far for me, it has nine. Been. I've inclu- I've cleared nine and ten and gotten I don't know a third of the way through eleven so far. I think, right. um, and I'd say. Yeah, so far. Um, He says, I also know there are players who felt unsatisfied. Humans are strange creatures where they can sometimes feel happiness when they are given stress. The stronger that stress is, the happiness you gain after surpassing it becomes bigger. Knowing that, I understand the voices where they want it to be more difficult. I honestly think the difficulty of the creator is what suits this day and and era, but I do think about trying to deliver something for those astri- extreme masochists who aren't satisfied. Jeez. Wow. I mean, no, I mean, that's what they should do. They should yeah. have like an easy difficulty, a, a, a normal raid difficulty, and then like an extremely sadistic. Yeah, no, an obscenely hard, right? Yep. Also, the motivation after clearing the final floor is a consideration. I'd like to help players who want the quote unquote sense of superiority they feel when they are the only ones who can challenge it. Yes. Uh, yes. He's listening to you. This. That is, the, look. This is exactly what what uh, what we've been talking about. The 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 how do you how do you properly show off the fact that you can beat the final floor of a raid? The best way to do that, the most efficient way to do that, the one that feels the best is gear. Minions. It's oh. not it's not a minion. It's not a mount. It's not a set of earrings. It's a it's a piece of gear, and it's not always the weapon either. Like they're really good about rewarding us with weapons, but the gear should also be a big part of this too. And the fact that they said that motivation to to uh, clear after the final floor. That's huge. Like, I think that that's a, that's one of the biggest statements that I've heard from Yoshi P and one that gives me the most hope moving forward in 4.0. It'll be a title. Don't, t- don't, don't, <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, but you can see titles right on the character. It's still, though, that's not, no, okay, that's no, not who, good enough. Who They've done with- that before. They did that before with the extreme second coil. And it didn't fucking work. The, te- the 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 titles were clearly not enough to get it done. It's got to be something with substance. And plus, you look at any streamer, they're all playing with the nameplates off, so all you see is letters. They don't see titles That's on true those, too. right? Yeah. Or even just nameplates completely turned off. Right. 
Yeah. All right, so let's look at the next question, which is, during the opening keynotes, you asked players if they wanted both the normal and savage mode style for the new raids. What do you personally think about how it should be done? Answer, I basically think we should maintain that style. We are still Mm -hmm. discussing, but it was huge for players who didn't have much to do during the even patches because even patches are mostly consisted of difficult content that's actually that is that is a criticism that we did have of a realm reborn where you know it felt like every other patch felt like you know there was something for each camp of players to do Mm -hmm. Um, it was extremely meaningful for casual players to be able to experience the scenario through the normal mode and now we have more players who gain confidence there who challenge extreme primals next as a player value perspective we shouldn't break the shape we have now however the hardcore players shouldn't get pulled along by that i think it's okay for players with the elitist mindset um, that there is only content we can challenge by having those players at the top the players can see that from below and think i want to go there as well or look up at them and say they're so cool like i said before i want to take measures for this hierarchy interesting and, and and to be conscious of that and and also to be conscious of the fact that that does not exist currently mm-hmm, mm-hmm. gives me i mean that that honestly gives me so much hope because the first the first step in addressing any problem is saying it out loud like actually like yeah a- acknowledging it now one thing i that draws my attention here is where he says uh uh able to experience the normal mode and now we have more players who gain confidence there who challenge extreme primals next i would be very are they seeing numbers that are suggesting more people are trying extreme primals this go around because of having story mode that might be that might there might be something to that yeah there might be something to that that line struck me i don't think so well in my case no because in realm were born i w- i did a few ex uh primals like yeah. titan ifrit and whatever in heaven's word i haven't i tried doing bismarck ex and that's it oh that's because you're a fucking bad i guess so you but are i'm just saying oh no my, i'm not I'm, I mean, my point there's no guessing about it i'm telling you you are <laughs> yeah rude I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the question is, so what's the direction of that challenge? And they say one that only the chosen can challenge. One isolated piece of content might be good. Holy last. shit. Hang on. Hang on. I'm not sure if I understand what that means. Hang on. Uh, it's keep. Okay. So you mean content that is above the savage difficulty. Um, maybe content where it's all about being able to solve or not being able to solve it, but you only have the right to enter if you have cleared the fourth turn of Savage. Wow! Oh, shit. We're talking about an endgame area that you can only access once you've cleared through Savage? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, is that a great carrot at the end of the step what a great what a great motivator to get people to the other side of that that is the way to motivate that is so yes this is exactly what we've been talking about this This is oh my god this is i like the next one yeah the next question answers the most exciting one i've heard you need to clear savage to challenge it and he says yes but it's just an example however we won't compromise at all when we create it so please don't complain even (laughs) if it's too hard suck it we want this is honestly (laughs) this is one of one of the most attractive things about ff11 was you know uh being a pleb and and seeing like like having other people who could go to places that you couldn't right like having people in your link shell when you would see them in c or sky Mm. you'd be like ooh, ooh, i can't wait to go there that'll be so bring someone up on your friend list and they're in i'll tie you and you're like yeah i can't go there exactly exactly we need uh, we need something like that 
something on the level of C where it's like a whole bunch of like content and stuff, but it definitely just needs a to zone. Be something Any- that like because right now the only reason to raid is to get more gear to keep raiding. And if there's at least some kind of challenging content beyond the rating there is another reason to do rating there's another reason to get the gear because you yes. need it for that content yes exactly exactly diadem should only be accessible after you clear the last <laughs> last tier no of savage well no that's what i mean is if there is crafting items that you can only get there from this place that you can only go after you've cleared the hard mode or the very highest uh tier of the savage yeah, I mean something like that. I, I think what they're trying to imply is that it's going to be Eureka. I don't think it'll be no. Eureka. Uh-uh. No, they said Eureka was going to be uh, part of the relic. Mm. Possibly, possibly. I I do not think it'll be Eureka. I don't know. I based on, based on some of Eureka. based on some of these other statements about Eureka in this interview. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it might oh, change okay. as we get further. <laughs> in. Right now, I would say no. Okay. So uh, let's hear about items and gear. Uh, job specific gear for after you hit anyone. Levels, uh, <laughs> hey, no one said anything. So, uh, job specific gear for after you hit level seventy. Uh, there's also going to be more gear reveals to come in future live letters. So that's, that's good. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not yeah. a big shocker there. No, there's going to be a big jump in eye level. Back in 2.0, we created an item level table up to item level 500, but we found a small failure in the calculations, so we fixed it. We'll have uh, minor adjustments applied for 4.0 as well. There's definitely the job of seeing the numbers increase, but if the numbers inflate too much you'll be turned off so we're looking for a common ground yeah at some point it becomes fucking meaningless to you know to just watch that number arbitrarily rise so yeah i think that that's probably a good thing to think about do you think we haven't already reached that point where it feels meaningless to see it keep going up (laughs) no once you get to 275 you don't think we've already kind of reached that point right yeah when you get to have 1 million hp is i think the breaking point (laughs) (laughs) so they had lots of talk about uh memory and how it's managed yeah there were there was a lot of discussions about uh you know like the playstation 3 uh you know some of the uh you know memory management that's going on uh client side and and i mean this in a roundabout way sort of uh related back to the uh inventory increase and why that's uh you know that's that's a difficult thing to just kind of do whenever you want to one of the things that they said is that you know when when a player enters an instance all the data has got to go uh into the instance with you so that means every item that you're carrying also has to be you know checksummed on the server and you know that that can be a kind of a a time consuming process and that they have to increase the architecture and and make the architecture better to be able to make something like an inventory increase even possible and not be too much of a load on the servers and then went on to say that memory is not the primary reason that they're dropping the PS3 support. I don't support. That for a second. Well, no. They, no way. They said, they said that uh, the reason we decided to end the PS3 support is a sum up of all uh, uh, of uh, debating over precise matters, widening range of debugs, the development kit is aging, hardware crashes, and overall player base moving forward. That's why we announced it. So, I, I guarantee you that memory is, some, is a bit of a limiting factor there but it's not the primary reason that they ended that they chose to end support for the ps3 i mean you've got to remember that consoles these days porting to a porting to a console between a pc and a, a console it doesn't look that that drastically different a lot of these uh dev kits really 
very closely mirror what you're going to be working with to develop for the PC. Not so in the last generations, uh, last generation of console. Not so for the Xbox 360 and for uh, the PS3. So you know that's another consideration too. Like there, there must have been just a, a, an obnoxious amount of bugs that they would have to swat down for. Oh, yeah. So moving on to the Forbidden Land of Eureka. Please tell us a little about the Forbidden Land of Eureka. It's still vague, vague, but I would like to know the visual concept and the role this area will be taking. During the keynotes, you said we'll be able to enhance our weapons, but are there any other roles? They replied, basically, if we explain FF14 as a theme park like I usually do, I think Eureka will not be a place everyone will go to. Just like the haunted house in a real life theme park, some people never enter those places. We hear opinions like, why would you go out of your way to get scared? In real life, those confident men immoderately ask women to enter the haunted house when they are at a theme park. But from a woman's perspective, there are definitely people who are like, huh, why would I? Or are you stupid? You want to act tough? I don't want to. What? What? Nika, I'm I'm gonna ask you about this because you don't like you don't like to be a scared. Uh and so <laughs> it, it, does this does this an analogy hold up? I mean I, I don't like sort of but it's it's like I don't know, everybody has their own distinct like It's getting a little uh, a little feeling? stereotypical in here, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Anyway. It smells like sexism. And it, actually the, the translator notes this is actually what he said. It's not made up. All right, Yoshi. Anyway, he continues on. Eureka is content is content like the example I gave you. Those who want to go are free to go, but be wanted or be wanted to warn you that it won't be fitting for some people. I'm sure people in free companies have different likes and dislikes, and even those who are eternal bond partners need to be careful. Everybody doesn't go to haunted houses, but those who love that thrill will continue to attend, and that's the type of content we would like Eureka so to be. So basically, if you are okay with standing around for 75 hours waiting for a pub go <laughs> if you are not that kind of person fuck off well i i mean i like i like the idea that and and the statement that you know if we explain ff14 as a theme park eureka will be a place that not everyone will go to that we'll part want of, to go to we'll, we'll want to go well but that part of the analogy says that or is is what i was sort of basing on you know it could be access to Eureka, you know, through Savage. That's sort of what I was sure. But I mean, he also says that, that people who want to go will be free to do so. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't think so. That said, I could see it being a more traditional MMO type area where, like Nika says, there are pop NMs that take a while. There's those I mean, elements that some what, people don't like. I mean, that's exactly what it screams to me is that it's like some people who really want this. And like, he did mention, you know, like 72 hour pop type of things. And I feel like that's exactly what he's talking about. There's there more. are people who want that back. There are a lot of people so that don't. There's more to this thought. Continue on. We don't have places like that in the current FF14, do we? And he says, not up to this point. The Zodiac and Animal Weapon quest was a little like that where we had lines connecting each of the content inside. FF14 land, he describes it as Disneyland, but uh, we're sure everyone is bored going to old areas. We as devs were also coming to a limit with ideas for those quests and if that's the case we might as well make an area dedicated for that which was our first vague motivation slash reason to start making it there are also staff members who want to implement content from the first generation of mmorpgs where players will say the mob still hasn't popped yet stop screwing with us <laughs> or we finally beat it but it didn't drop anything again damn it and we <laughs> and we match them up with this content it's a playground for level 70 and beyond so it's still an idea floating in the air but the lore behind eureka and the original ff 
three is a land where powerful weapons, armor, and magic is sealed. So we want to make it where your hard work and time invested might end up being a waste, but instead have the chance to get a great reward. Oh my God, it is Relic, but the old school Relic. Yeah. It's olden days Relic. Yeah, baby. (gasps) I like this idea. I really do like this idea because, you know, this... I, I think that it's true that like it, when when it, when we went through 2.0, there were so many more Zodiac weapons. I mean, it was such a normal thing to see everyone with a Zodiac. Right, right. now in Anima, I mean, you see people at various stages of it. Yeah, I, I think it a, a lot more uh, regularity. And I, there are some people who just are like, nah, they stalled out on it, and it's not that big of a deal for them. I think that that's very insightful to say. If we're running out of places to send players that are engaging or interesting in the world, why not just make a place for it in the next expansion, send them there, and then build on top of it? I think that that's really smart. Uh, It's really smart. They continue on to ask, will the monsters that only pop once every 72 hours show up there? And they reply, that was one of the examples I gave today, but I still don't know how it will turn out. If we think about the current era we are in, I think 72 hours is going a little too far. I I think that this would need to come along with a claim system, too. Oh, my God. If it could come (laughs) along with the claims, please. Uh, The 72 hour respawn has a nostalgic ring to it. We had a lot of those things in FF11, didn't we? And he says, yes, uh, we'd like to bring back some of those. but We have no intention of bringing them all back. If we did bring it all back. Then it would uh, be like, why not just play FF11? And there are lots of players who are playing FF14 because the game isn't like that. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, that is fair. Uh, is Eureka an extension of the Diadem and Diadem Two planned for three point five? I thought this was a great question because yes. the, the first the first thing that I think of is like, oh yeah, this is totally. Uh, they're just building on Diadem. Uh, it's extremely different. Of course, we are going to balance Eureka based on the feedback we got for Diadem, but the starting point itself is very different from the planning stages. The second exploratory missions planned for th- patch 3.5 will include a raid that can only be cleared by a team of four parties. So Ooh, it will provide a totally what? different type of gameplay. What? Wait, this is... He is! Like, I, I told you guys that this is one of the most hype interviews I've ever fucking read. I was this is reading, better than FanFest. I was reading this last night and my jaw was on the floor when I was reading some of this stuff. This And this was one of them. That the ex, the second exploratory missions planned for patch 3.5 will include a raid that can only be cleared by a team of four parties. Four parties. 32 man raid? Four party alliance. That's wow. That's awesome. I, I, now, I hope he's saying raid in in like in the sense of like the way that other raids are structured, where there's some kind of instance on top of it, uh, on top of what other, you know, the the free world stuff that you're going to be doing that I'm, I'm sure is going to be a part of DM too. I don't know, man. This just sets my my uh, my, my speculation drives into 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 overdrive. Bring I mean, on patch 3.5. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Are the rewards going to be ethereal gear like last time? And they say, uh, we're right in the middle of the final adjustments. The content is a little different to what we have in FF14 now, so we're having a hard time deciding the rewards. By looking at the reactions to this content, note Diadem, uh, Eureka will be even more buffed up. We'd like to continue providing new values and challenges. Cool. In a previous interview, you mentioned how you wanted to make changes to content uh, such as the Animal Weapon Quest, which is for players who aren't really into endgame content. And he replied, that is exactly what we want you to expect Eureka to be like. I think we'll have armor this time, but you'll probably die if you do it all. (laughs) Okay. What? What? Bring it on. 
I no, the fact that 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 That's armor specifically is included in this statement is very Mm -hmm. Uh, you're going to change the gameplay entirely by providing a dedicated area for that content and he says well yes but like I've said before we aren't going to change the core game design of FF14 since we have a game design that matches with the current era there are cases where we change the shape of old content into what follows the flow slash trend today but we definitely won't go back to how it was like in the old days there are times when that uh, when what was nice in the past becomes a trend again but it's never in the form of what it was like in the past we have to admit our age exists thanks to the fun experience we had in the past and i'm not denying the past in any way so we are thinking about trying to bring back that essence in some way shape or form into our gameplay for the armor we have a rough idea and uh, plan in our heads like maybe it's better for players to register a certain design they like onto the armor and enhance that we'll have some players who buff up the reindeer looking armor and some who register the gear that they start the game in there will be opinions like just put glamour over it but there will also be those who care about that specific armor being strong so it's not an easy decision ah Dude, this is like this is addressing at least like 80% of the criticisms that I've had about this game in the last year. This is amazing. I mean, they're trying to basically what that statement says is we understand that gear has in a lot of ways lost its value and we want to try to find ways to revalue it. And I think that that is that has been one of the things that we've been talking about in terms of sentiment for almost a year now that it's been a pro- I mean, this is it was a problem going back to 2.0. It just took us till, you know, 2.4 to the end of 2.55 to figure that out. Now, I mean, the the problem has been staring us in the face the entirety of 3.0. We've we've called it out so many times. And this says they get it. Yeah, we hear, and it goes back to what, like, early on in the 3.x cycle where we address, like, listen, the changes you guys need to make you can't do now. It's going to be at the next expansion. And we've just kind of had to sit here with our fingers crossed that they're hearing that and that they yeah. understand that. Yeah. Because they didn't confirm it until now. I, it's, I, I mean, like, this is... I, a mind-blowing interview again we're that whole eureka section was just holy shit i'm so stoked i'm so stoked uh again this is uh we're talking about the game watch interview that yoshi p did uh with them just following the north american fan fest uh this was translated and posted to reddit if you want to check out a link one has been provided by Juxta in the chat room. We'll also have a link to it at our website, LimitBreakRadio.com, when this show comes out on Tuesday. I mean, yeah, just so many exciting statements in here from, you know, the the possibility that there's going to be an event or a zone or something that we can go to after the fourth section of a raid to reward us for clearing the raid. Uh, you know, all of the announcements surrounding Eureka. I think that Square Enix is aware of a lot of these problems that we've addressed. And again, you know, we've been saying for a long time, like you can't change horses in the middle of a race. You know what I mean? Like you can't in the middle of 3.4 go, oh, well, this ain't working. We got to change this. There's only so much that you can do. The real opportunity to introduce change is at 4.0. And look at how much they're talking about. Look at how much is already in the planning stages. And what, you know, say what you will about Yoshi P or the way that he develops his games. 
the way that he markets stuff, he doesn't start talking about it until it is definitely going to happen. I mean, there are very few things where Yoshi P keeps us hanging on and keeps us waiting for long tracks of time. Most of the stuff that he ends up talking about in interviews like this end up panning out in some way, shape, or form. And so this gives me a lot of hope as to what we're going to end up seeing in the 4.0 expansion. I think that Stormblood is going to do a lot of really positive things for for this game and the way that people are engaged by the content that it's presenting. You know what it is? It's super vindicating. We have been very critical of this game over the 3.x patch cycle. I don't think anyone will disagree with that. And we listen to people all the time say things like, if you don't like the game, why don't you just leave? Yep. And here, this, this interview, this is why, because our concerns are being addressed. They're it's act- only because we're vocal about it. Yes. And I mean, I, look, we can't, obviously we can't take all the credit Hell for this. Hell no. Th- this is, We're going these, to, but. These are, these are things <laughs> that have been identified by the community for a long time. And, you know, we're not, we're not alone in this point of view. Like there are plenty of people who share this point of view and have been a bit frustrated with FF 14. Dude, I've made so many concessions for this game uh, in the, in the years that I've played it. I've been a fan since 1.0, but I also learned something important during the 1.0 days that holding back your criticism does nothing to help move the conversation forward. Square Enix is operating off of a lot of fan feedback they watch the forums they clearly they you know they're paying attention to their community and if that's the case then we need to talk to them in the ways that we you know and in what we really feel like making excuses for them or trying to be you know a a three-hour long weekly advertisement for ff14 does nothing for anybody i mean maybe it'll it'll attract a couple of people to the game uh certainly when we were when we were doing something close to that for ff11 uh you know we brought some people to ff11 but i don't think that it did anything for us to bring us any kind of credibility or bring us any kind of uh, you know any kind of uh, anything you know our audience was objectively smaller back in the 11 days we didn't you know we didn't bring as much attention to serious and important topics we would hold back jokes sometimes because we would be afraid of offending the people that we did get that just doesn't happen with this version of the show and I think that, that I think everyone's better for it I think the community is better for it I think the devs are better for it because they're receiving honest and open feedback and criticism and we provide you guys a platform to be able to express your opinions you get to jump on with us and you get to say hey i think this is crap or i think that this is a great idea and we provide you that platform every single week and again if you want to reach out and you want to express your opinions limit break radio on skype 810-515-8715 limitbreakradio.com slash discord we have a really active and awesome community here we all we have I've, i've always maintain that that final fantasy 14 players are the best mmo players to to play with they really are the best and they're the best audience to have on the internet but there are problems there are problems there are ways that this game 
falls short and falls flat and if you don't address it and if you don't address it openly then i think automatically there are there are players who will sniff that out and your credibility takes a hit well and to address the incoming comments because i've seen i know we're going to see them oh my god now they're back on board they're flip-flopping again yeah that's how this works when when se does smart self-aware things we say nice things when they do dumb shit we say mean things and that's how this works and look and again this is all speculation you know this the the content that we get when 4.0 is delivered could be a lot different from what we're theorizing and a lot different from what is laid out here. There's a lot of points for miscommunication. There's translation that's going on. We're, you know, we're reading and we're reading excerpts of the interview that, you know, we understood to the best of our knowledge. Like we're making edits. We couldn't sit here and read through every single part of this Q&A. We would be here for seven hours. Okay. So, you know, there's there, it's definitely going to be different. And I think that you have to, you know, like you have to go off the information that you're provided and then judge the content based on when you get it, not before you get it. And uh, and and certainly if someone's saying the right stuff, if someone is saying is is indicating that, you know, the moves are going in the right direction, why would you just continue to abjectly criticize that? Like that, yeah. the, just criticism for criticism's sake does nothing. Yeah. And when it you, does when, fucking nothing. And when they come out and they acknowledge some of the concerns that we've been preaching for six months, yeah, we're going to give them credit for that because it's nice to actually hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, juxta, there's just a little bit here towards the uh, the end of we the interview. We fun for you. Yeah. You want to go ahead and uh, stumble bum through those? Sure. Okay. Starting with housing in Alamigo. Because it's so important. Of course. We gave them the important task. <laughs> The delusion I had was, since we're joining the Alamigo Resistance, I thought we were going to live together with them in barracks and have a tough experience at first and gradually work our way to, uh, to improve our environment. I was imagining some sort of, quote, live content, but that doesn't seem anything like that. Uh, answer is, if the new housing area consisted of barracks, nobody would think about buying a house. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's correct. That is absolutely true. It's normal to try to get the most ideal house in a game. Uh, I don't think there is our players who think, quote, I'm going to throw away my resort in Limsa and live in a barrack. (laughs) (laughs) Whichever way, even if the new housing area is located in Ishgard or Alamigo, I want players to feel the achievement of we're we're Wow. He did so well. We're able to build houses here because of me. (laughs) I don't ever want Juxta to be able to feel like that because of me uh, another question we have possibility of air, aerial combat moving to Alamigo reminded me of the lore inc- I definitely want to fight the little mermaid can we make that happen <laughs> what aerial combat oh come on are you serious oh you didn't uh. oh, oh that one should have smacked you in the forehead <sighs> oh you dumb dingus <laughs> wow Moving to Alamigo reminded me of the lore, including a regiment of Griffinback soldiers. This is just my imagination, but are you going to challenge creating content where we ride griffins and fight in the air? 
He says, like I've said in the past, if we're going to have dogfights in the sky, we would like to make a particular content dedicated for that. For example, fighting against a huge boss like Alexander and carrying bombs in our flying mounts and dropping them. That'd be sweet. If we don't have content and stage effects specifically for that, it will definitely not be fun to play. If we can do that, it'll be fun. Is he, ta- is he talking about calling in UAV drone strikes? Like, <laughs> is that the... Uh, uh, they're going to make that element? They're just going to rip it straight out of Call of Duty? But we don't have any plans at the moment. Okay. That's good. Fail. <sighs> uh, regarding clear rates of recent Alexander as compared to Coils. Well, this hmm. might be interesting. High-end content you spent months developing get just got cleared in two days, huh? I have a strong memory of nobody uh, being able to beat the fifth floor of Binding Coil for uh, Bahamuts after a while after it was released, and that left a pretty strong impression. But it seems we're in a different era now. Uh, Yoshi responds, that was when the tournament involving the competition for Final Fantasy XIV raids was born into this world. After that, the Warriors of Light went through training and buffed up for every match and jumped over traps and mechanics. This section would be a lot better if Juxta was muted. Also, hashtag ban Sporo. <laughs> uh, well, Lasat, I, I, I don't disagree with you, but... He's, he would have to shout the whole time, and that I can shout. It just it makes my or, neighbors or really annoyed. Else can just take this section. He doesn't read anyway. You don't read. Just finish it. I, I think the difference between now and then is simply the experience. You might consider it being only two days, but two days is forty-eight hours. <laughs> if you play for three hours every day and all you do is challenge the raids in that time, that's a total of sixteen days. If players like Nakamura, Thancred's VA, and myself uh, assume it's 48 hours and spend two hours per day, we'd say, there's no way this is two days. The top teams have everything ready beforehand. The top teams lower than their item levels and challenge Midas as a method of training before entering patch 3.4. They have team members that are... uh, a team of members that has collected materials, members who have collected their tier 5 materia, and members who created and provided the new craftable gear right after the patch was released. Those players split and assign their roles and do their best to make their free company the number one in the world. It's not just the raid team who are great, and those 48 hours are a concentration of everyone who put in their work. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I sounds just like pro gamers. Yeah, I mean, I is he just saying that that the Raiders now are just more prepared and dedicated? Is that what it is that what he's I'm getting out of it. Yeah, that's sort of what I get up out of that is I sounds like they're not really our concern. That's what that sounds like to me. I hope so. Yeah, me too. I don't know. Uh, he says, it's a world with uh, first teams, second teams, and third teams. So, quote, two days may sound easy on paper, but I totally think that's not the case. Members from the dev team were thinking, if it's uh, those players, it'll take around two days. So, they were, that's, it sounds like that's what they were expecting. Was, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, okay. All right, fine. Uh, all right, so we got A11, floor three, seen as difficult. Uh, I f- question is, I frequently witness accidents on that floor. Uh, note the three consecutive missiles on the DPS with no heals or the clockwise lasers. I imagined that you deliberately made the savage mode easier so they could get out of there earlier and gave the normal mode a bit more of a challenge instead. What? 
he uh, Yoshi says that's not the case. The devs from the battle system and the monster team are skilled players as well, so that when they balance and adjust content with me, sometimes we forget about the average player. When we test AoEs that target everyone, we test it without any discussions on where to move to avoid them. We do have occasions where there are accidents, but it's not a level of not being able to clear the content. But on the third floor, as you gave an example, there are those players who don't like the spread type mechanic, uh, especially AOEs that have a wide range and are easy to overlap each other. Uh, they run towards the same direction, and he says, we tend to think that if you see the AOE, there should be no trouble dodging it, and we categorize it as an easy mechanic. But Floor 3 taught us a lesson, and we understood that that was the wrong way to interpret it. We are sorry about Floor 3, A11 normal. It is our mistake for tuning it. Floor 3 is a little difficult. It is weird. It is the only one that you still see people wiping on. Yeah. Yep, every time I do normal, I wipe at least one. People just don't get, like, just dodge propeller wind. All you have to do is dodge propeller wind, and you it will do, win that it fight. Does, it does. I mean, it comes at a weird interval, especially especially if you get the um, the two nodes that it drops. If it drops it without, like, outside of your range of vision, or if it's, like, far off, it's just not, not the best visual identifier to know, oh, fuck, propeller wind's coming up really quickly. It's an awkward segment. It is. It, 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 it definitely is awkward, and it takes timing, but it's not impossible. Possible. It's not that no. hard. It's not that hard. Uh, so uh, let's talk about uh, decreased difficulty aiding in increased attendance with rating. Uh, Nika, I feel like this would be an appropriate segment for you to take. Sure. So the question is, I don't know. Are the total number of players putting all their time and effort into challenging raids decreasing? The answer is maybe it's because there are less opportunities to experience the fun of raiding. In Japan, the raiding culture only began with FF14, and there aren't many titles where it's possible to experience endgame raids. Note, WoW and Rift are not localized in Japan. Mm. So it's uneasy. So what, so what they're saying is is that this is sort of cr- the standard bearer for endgame MMOs in Japan? I mean, I guess... The rating, I, for the raid style. Well, for yeah, for, for the raid scene. Because, I mean, yeah, there are obviously... Please put this donation towards Hooked on Phonics for Juxta. Hooked <laughs> we'll on Monkey Phonics? We'll, we'll do our best. We'll get him some muzzy tapes. Oh my god! How do you remember that? Oh no! It just came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. It'll help you do language good. (laughs) I speak goodly anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I. I mean, I guess it. It never occurred to me that MMOs in Japan, on a regular rate would not get enough traction to be able to have a community to support an end game rating scene. That's because they get shut down 24 hours after launch over there. Okay. Well, we'll <laughs> but I mean, FF 11 had end game over there. Like they had people that were trying to beat the hardest bosses. Well, yeah, but, but if you have a culture that doesn't really have all that much context for wow, like wow, wasn't a cultural phenomenon over there. Like it was here. Mm-hmm. Then that push into that style of online gaming had to come from other places. And so square Enix adopting it and putting it out as their main format for their, for their MMO, that might be a bigger adjustment for Japanese audiences than we really realize. I, I I guess it wasn't until the statement that that didn't really even occur to me. So hmm. wait, so was the complaint about rating being too hard a Japanese complaint? We always just assumed it was us. Hmm. 
I don't know. I don't think apparently, so. You know, because we know in Japan people like to help each other a lot more than they do here. Well, so. and I think, and I think in Japan there was higher motivation rates. Like there were higher motivation levels for them. And and this is just this is a sentiment. Like there's no, I have no data to back this up. But it seemed like much more of a priority to get into and to create a vibrant rating scene than in North America. Hmm. I mean, you know, we we had Arthur's come on and and tell us as much, uh, you know, in the first couple of three point X patches that, you know, the attitude surrounding rating was far different in Japan than it was in North America. And the willingness to help other players or get new players into the rating scene was increased in Japan as opposed to in North America. And this might be one of those fundamental reasons why. And I guess it just never really occurred to me. Now, I got it. The reason why JP players are bad is because they don't have a JP button anymore. Oh, <laughs> you know what? You're Maybe right. It. You're right. All right. So the next question is, did lowering the difficulty of the creator change the number of players entering Savage dramatically? This is um, a question that I was very curious about, too. Yes. They said the increase is obvious. People mm. participate because they can clear the content and also when they might be able to clear it. And also when they may be able to clear it. So the current difficulty might be where it should be. In our current world, I think it's normal for people to want results for the amount of time and work they invested. Not gaining, not gaining anything after spending 12 weeks, but our practice won't betray us, might be good for those with a fighting spirit. But the majority of people cannot accept that. The first two floors of the creator are especially easy this time. So I think we're back to the routine from the old binding coil days where you clear the first and second floor on Tuesday JP time and then you go to practice the last two floors. It told us devs a lesson as well. Yeah, they're Interesting. not wrong. Interesting. One of one of the concerns I have is the very top of the player hierarchy. The part where you are done after getting your weapon by doing eight laps of the fourth floor is something where we need to improve and think of something new. We had a lot of feedback demanding a different scenario for the normal and hard mode, but after all these people clearing the creator, we don't hear that opinion as much anymore. We did hear the story for Alexander was a little plain compared to the Binding Coil Bahamut, but we also heard voices from players that they were satisfied with the raid scenario after we released Creator. So rather than changing the story for the two difficulties, we hope to provide a treat slash reward for those who cleared the hard mode in a different shape. Note, he doesn't say Savage or Type Zero for some reason, because Type Zero is the name for JP Savage. He said the hard mode in a different shape. So again, this is just, I mean, this is something else that we've talked about. Having an additional reward that exists after you end up clearing and getting all of your gear. What is what is to stop somebody from just ending their sub after they've done their eight laps of, uh, of the creator and got all the gear, got their weapon? What, you know, what keeps them there what keeps them continuing to play and continuing to log in and i think that that's an important question to ask we've been asking it we've we've even put forth suggestions of what you could do uh to uh to be able to keep players in the mix there but again the fact that square enix is coming out and saying like look we're aware of this problem this is a problem i mean it does it scally when you said that it's vindicating like it's it's uh it's validating to know that some of these issues that that we've been talking about for months and quite frankly receiving flack for talking about for months uh is 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 a problem that is not just recognized but that it's actually uh you know being actively uh developed around these ideas that's that's hugely hugely vindicated it's so nice to hear from them because at some point after you talk about it for so long you get flack for it and se never says anything you start to wonder like on the small level 
Maybe it is us. Yeah. Maybe we're just the ones who are pissed maybe, off. Yeah, maybe I'm the asshole. But <laughs> well, you are, but... We are, but... Yeah. yeah. We're also right. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, so, on eliminating bonus attribute points, uh, the question was, aren't you going to get rid of the bonus attribute points either? Uh, the answer, I think we'll uh, abolish the system where you use attribute points on certain parameters, especially the new players tend to never use those points on anything we thought. As expected, this is bad. Uh, none of them use use the bonus attribute points. Answer, uh, your level goes up quickly nowadays, and it's hard to notice the difference. Uh, that means that they are playing with all those 30 points piled up for nothing. He says, yeah, <laughs> most of the recent games don't make you uh, design your parameters as you please, unless there's a huge system dedicated for that, uh, like Dark Souls. Uh, that's the reason why new players don't have the habit of using their attribute points. I just thought that was really funny. And even for the players who do use them, it's like, you. Uh, okay, I dumped everything in strength, then I'm never going to think about it again. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so pointless. There's no mechanical gameplay there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, and that gets us mostly to the end of that huge Game Watch uh, interview with Yoshi P. Again, we've linked that several times in the chat if you want to check it out. Uh, definitely a lot more there than we covered. I mean, it's like there's three parts of it, and I would say that each part is easily four or five pages long. Uh, so there's a lot to sift through. Uh, this was just the most the most interesting stuff to us. Uh, if you want a link to that, again, in our chat room right now or over at our website, LimitBreakRadio.com. So let's talk about the other interview that uh, happened. Uh, Famitsu sat down with Yoshi P uh, following the North American Fan Fest. And again, like I said, there was a lot of overlap in information. Uh, and I tried to, uh, you know, we tried to pull out the, the stuff that maybe wasn't touched on or was touched on in less detail in the game watch interview uh so the fan fest presentation uh, uh was it enough information uh it does the the the, fa- the the trailer does feel lengthy and our yoshi p responds that yeah it's about two minutes and that this doesn't even uh include a, th- a third of the entire video we wanted to make a video uh that will give excitement to players like the end of an era trailer and you know they they he Yoshi P had kind of drawn uh, drawn this comparison before, but I kind of wanted to highlight it again that you know the full scale of the Stormblood trailer is going to be on on par with something like end of an era uh uh but because of that we could only put out the first part of the video uh it's completely my fault uh yoshi p laughs uh afterwards i thought to myself that i should have thought about the shorter version a bit more uh so the does the final version include the main theme of the expansion which this never got touched on in the game watch interview i think that this is an important uh note to to mention yeah. uh the heavens word trailer didn't have it so it will probably be a different piece so what he's saying there is is that the time when they released the heavens word trailer they did not have the final version of the theme that was done by susan calloway they used um the i believe it's just called dragon song no dragon song no is susan calloway which yes, uh, they used um oh you're making me look it up it, it, it was another vocal track but uh one that i I don't remember what it's called. I yeah. have it on my orchestra. It's very operatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a do 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 Right. 
Um, so uh, Yoshi P saying that the final version of the trailer probably will have the theme. Although I do have to, I mean, I, I, I do have to point out the slight different, you know, like when they did the presentation in 2014, they went out of their way to say that the next title theme uh, will be composed by Nobuo Uematsu and will feature Susan Calloway. They did not have that announcement this time. So we don't know what the final uh, composition will end up being hopefully we uh you know it'll end up featuring a friend of the show susan calloway but uh no confirmation there uh in this interview uh yeah uh, so another question there uh, what were your thoughts on uh, seeing ozma for the first time uh yoshi p responds I, I really like the idea the only thing i told him was uh it's fine for the field to change uh but be sure to keep the hp of the boss when the players come back if the boss's hp is at full health when they come back it would feel as if you were fighting a different boss if you don't make it so that the battle continues after returning from the swallowed state it wouldn't make much for a fun game experience and i think that that again that's just it's a, one of those very small details that uh yeah i agree with that good insight yeah yeah, yeah i appreciate really that, good that, insight. that that's yeah. something that occurred to him like when he looks at the ozma fight yeah like what occurs to him is yeah that looks great but make sure there's hp is the same when you come back <laughs> yeah. like really that's what well, that's what came to mind for you it's a good thing it did it is good but it's just yeah, it it does. Yeah, uh, it does seem like a, a a very granular thing to sort of like. That's your big uh, reaction, but okay. Um, so uh, the, uh, the interviewer asks, "This is only my speculation, but I think that the woman in uh, in the trailer is Yida. Uh, is it okay to think that Yida and Poplimo will have a big role in the expansion?" Yoshi P responds, "Without revealing specific names, I can say that important characters." of the scions will have important roles in the scenario the next patch will have some information on who the woman in the trailer is be sure to make a lot of speculation so uh once again confirming that we will know the identity of the woman in red as of 3.5 well it says it will give clues and continue to speculate please i don't think that is any confirmation no, I I, th- I think in in the course of either 3.5 or 3.55 but before clearly before the expansion we will know who she is yeah i think i think i I'm, i think I'm that pretty... we will have a good idea who she is but i don't think it will be something that is spilled out in confirmation all right it could serve as that bridge could definitely could yeah uh so when i like, I like this next one there, there were questions on how to make ff14 feel more fantasy like uh, so uh, Yoshi P says that when he took on the project of FF14, I asked the staff why the world doesn't feel fantasy-like, uh, and their answer uh, was that there was a country called Ishgard that was supposed to be released with the game, but in the end, they didn't make it in time to release it. Not only that, but it was also explained to me that Ishgard had quite an easy-to-comprehend setting and that it involved dragons and knights. You've got to be kidding me, I thought to myself. Why Why are you making something so important if you can't put it out in time? So, the open, so opening the gates of Ishgard and letting players in became our biggest, one of our biggest goals. That's uh, funny. <laughs> and, uh, and the result of that 
was uh, that we prepared ourselves and deci- and decided on uh, plot points and uh, b- being an Ishgard right from the start. On the other hand, a theme like uh, like the ones for Stormblood, uh, we're having um, uh, aggressors and the controlled and recapturing of land is something that Japanese players aren't too familiar with. So again, we get a reiteration that the themes surrounding Stormblood may not have been something that 100% hit home with a Japanese audience. Uh, So uh, additional conversations on the speculation on the woman in red's job affiliation, the equipment, the warrior of light was using. That's the monk specific gear. Yes. And for the woman have no idea. Uh, (laughs) There's a laugh after that. Uh, But uh, people whose main job is monk would surely want to fight in that. Uh, The image of her in the trailer is that she fights with one style of martial art. But in the end, it turns out that she is a dancer. And, And Yoshi P responds, well, there are people that speculate that. It's very strange that those opinions are come mostly from japan i don't know why they keep thinking that there are so many people in america that believe she's a dancer yeah, everyone over here thought it was dancer yep yep i think i i honestly do i i, I mean i think we're we may be working our way towards dancer i mean if you if you look back at that trailer in the way that it's edited uh i i mean there there does seem to be a lot of close-ups of uh the the woman in red as opposed to uh a, a bit more uh you know distanced shots of the warrior of light so it kind of gives you this impression that you're getting a full feel of what's happening during the fight when really you're getting a very very uh, narrow view of what the woman in red is doing and how she's effectively fighting and what the warrior of light is doing. There's the little bit at the, at the beginning where you both see them coming head to head, but look, look very, very closely at some of the edits. And I think that you'll uh, pick up on, on what I'm talking about uh, new. Uh, so there's uh, probably going to be seeing some new primals with the addition of Beastman. Uh, and Yoshi P says that uh, this time there will be a different twist. The reason that the Asians manipulated the Beastman is to manipulate domestic politics of the three cities so when they go to different areas they take different approaches in the case of Ishgard they didn't manipulate the beastmen but rather put Thoradin and the dragon eye in the center of their attention so that they succeeded in making a plan uh, or making a primal with a different concept Uh, they will take different approaches their plan is to dry out the aether of the land distort the balance and unite the world uh, the, the worlds to begin with Therefore, primals are only one method that they use. The way that uh, the way of thinking of the black Asian and the white Asian is also a little bit different. So the story development will be different from what we've seen until now. I think that's great. I think that we're going to start moving away from Asians are just this kind of big, bad, you know, nebulous badness that exists out in in Eorzea uh, and instead actually understand maybe understand some of their motivations a little bit more that's what I would like I would like to understand what what the machinations of the Asians are as opposed to just be you know given very vague cutscenes uh, you know between someone like uh, uh, what's his name um, the, the Elidibus yeah Elidibus and uh, uh, who's the scion I can't think of his name right now. Urianje? Urianje, thank you. Urigrinder? Ur, yeah. Ur. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and I, I, there's, you know, there's uh, a lot more in here to, uh, uh, you know, they, they get into some more uh, changes, but it, this is really, we've heard a lot of these, like we've heard uh, a, a lot of the answers to these in the game, wa- uh, the game watch interview. And uh, there's just, uh, there's so much here that, uh, that, uh, you know, if you really are curious, head on over to gamer escape, gamer escape, uh, put up the uh, translated version of this article. Uh, it's fascinating guys uh definitely give it a read um but i also highly recommend that game watch interview the the game watch interview i mean really blew me away uh, on a level that i was not expecting like i did not expect going into the reading in these interviews that i would be as hyped on the other side as i was i mean i'm, I'm hugely hyped for the direction that this game seems to be taking with the 4.0 expansion and i think that it's smart i mean they do have a little bit in there to to try to entice new players in but you know what we've said for a long time is that this needs to be an expansion that's focused on retaining veteran players and i think that they've got a couple of plans in mind to be able to do that smart smart job square enix now whether it will materialize and be as satisf- satisfying on delivery of the content that has yet to be uh that is yet to be determined but hopefully hopefully they'll get it right I mean, uh, this this seems to deviate a lot from what we heard about going into 3.0. Can I just read one more piece of an answer that I think, again, just goes so much to highlight how like self-aware they are? Sure. No. Uh, they're talking about Eureka versus Diadem again and the idea of adding in gear that you just buff up over time that you like. Sure. And, and they suggest if you do that, it will change gear progression altogether. And Yoshi replies, it is the second expansion pack, and if we were to do the same thing all over again, a lot of people would get tired of it. Yep. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. We have, I said, we have said on multiple occasions and in green room videos, I can't do another expansion of the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. I can't do another 3.0. But you can't totally deviate from the pattern, too, no. because there's an expectation there. Right. There's an expectation of the audience that, you know, yeah, there should be gameplay that we already recognize. Don't take away the game that I, that I, uh, you know, the parts that I like. Like, but like let's let's try Mix to it up. try to vary yeah but put some variation on it and and again look you know deep dungeon was a sort of successful venture into that realm diadem less successful but we'll see what's going to go uh, go down with diadem 2 this interview gave me a lot more hope for diadem 2 than i was prepared to walk out with <laughs> and uh, you know like all of that together, all of that combined with, you know, some of these some of these statements saying that, you know, there are devs even internally that are like, let's make this more a little bit old school. Let's let's try to find a a function of this game where we can make it feel like a, a an older MMO. I think that that's incredibly smart. That speaks to retaining the veteran player base. And uh, I, I think that Square Enix is making some very, very smart moves here. Couldn't agree more. It's just like I was not expecting to come out of LBR today this hype for Stormblood. Yeah. Yeah. This is- I thought the next time I would like like the hype level would go way up would be JP FanFest. Y- you I know- was not thinking a random Sunday in November. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's I'm it's it's cool. I, I dig it. I, I like uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the proposed changes uh, right down to the UI changes. I think that those sound like a really smart idea. And I mean, normally I, I can't be bothered with shit like that. I mean, yeah, it's a quality of life stuff, but it's not something that you get really excited about. And it's just I, one of those things you think this should be happening. Yeah, Good, I'm glad this happened. Exactly. No, this, like, well, this could actually go a long way to helping a lot of shit. Totally. 
I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, and uh, I think that that just gets us to the end here of the interviews. Thanks, guys, uh, for uh, hanging out with Limit Break Radio and uh, listening to our breakdown of the Game Watch and Famatsu interviews that Yoshi P gave right after the North American Fan Fest. Again, for links to those articles, you can head on over to our website, LimitBreakRadio.com, where we'll attach those with this episode posting. But that doesn't wrap up. What we've got here for you today, there was some very important matchups that happened over the weekend. So this is uh, for the final time in season two. Let's check in with what happened at the FFFL. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Hyper Bowl Sunday here in the FFFL. Yes, it's been a long season, but finally, the last vote is in the books, and our winners have been determined. So let's start by looking at the Toilet Bowl. <laughs> toilet Bowl 2 featured two longtime rivals as GM Calolandis' Edelweiss Avengers traveled to the missing member to take on Nika Kayanian's Chickabos. A brutal matchup ensued wherein both GMs, in a display of the kind of gamesmanship one has come to expect from the FFFL, proceeded to no longer care at all and not even promote their teams. (laughs) Are you even trying? While this may sound like a bad thing, it actually may have led to the most accurate reading of how people actually feel about the teams that we've gotten all season. In the end, the Chickabos took the win 59-41 to and secured third place in the league, while the Edelweiss Avengers will have fourth. And now over to our main event. Hyper Bowl 2 saw first uh, saw two first-time GMs battle it out as Papa Woody and Titan's Banana Hammock hit the road to the Chaos Shrine to take on Surin Kayanian's Super hey, Senpai Papa Megaforce. Wasn't yeah, what are you talking about? First time? He was uh, in the last season. I wasn't yeah. In this yeah, he was definitely there. No. Yeah. Really? Did he win anything? I did, it wasn't in the Hyper Bowl. I think that's what they're saying. But no, but it's the first time GM's in the Hyper Bowl. That was a fail. Thanks. Fail. Thanks for that. Great. I was trying You're welcome. for you. Oh, where was I? All right. <laughs> These teams had met once in the regular season already as the Banana Hammocks marched into the Chaos Shrine in Week 11 to hand the Megaforce their only loss of the regular season. Both teams seemed confident going into the week, and it really showed in the first half, with the score staying pretty tight. This year's Hyper Bowl halftime show featured hit new band PS3 and the Dark Stars. However... However, th- you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> However, three songs in, they were told their services would no longer be required. <laughs> wow, they got three out. I'm that's, shocked. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, the break in the action was not kind to Titans Banana Hammock, who had a tough time getting going in the second half, and that would really tell the story of it. The FFFL would like to extend its congratulations to Sir and Kayanian and the Super Senpai Megaforce, who take the win, 61 to 39, and wow. are now our season two champions. Jeez. Fucking Dark star guys, I tell you what. <laughs> I, like, I was gonna say, you guys just didn't play very well after they performed. Nah, you get much you like just, anyone who watched their guide. Exactly, you start listening to that shit and you just feel so 
not motivated to do anything. <laughs> we now enter the offseason with our teams and GMs taking some much-deserved rest before we gear up for Season 3. Season 3 will not see any expansion of teams, though certain teams may drop out opening up slots in the league. There will be a host of rules changes and additions, however, including the introduction of injuries in Season 3. That will be a concern for everyone to deal with. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled. For the FFFL and Limit Break Radio, this is Ascalia Riumasa saying, see you next season. Thank you guys for all of your votes and all of your participation over at LimitBreakRadio.com and at Twitter. That's Twitter.com slash Limit Break Radio. And thank you for all of the hard work that you've done this season, Ascalia. Uh, it's been a successful season. I wouldn't know. I haven't been paying attention to any of it. <laughs> but uh, it sounds like you did a good job. And uh, this is a fun bit to do every week. So no, I was really stupid and I hated it. And it's uh, good. You're just saying that because you lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, granted, I still have lots and lots of money from all my sponsorships, but he did make he did yeah. have uh, well over like ten thousand sponsors over the course wow. of the season. That's, That's a lot of sponsors. It, it is. What's 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 your secret to success there, Juxta? Uh, getting lots of money. Yeah, no, I know that, but I mean, like, how did how did you sell the team that was not doing so well to that many sponsors? Uh, well, just the allure of uh, Lords of Rominion just really brought in all oh, the sponsors. Okay. Who knew that would be a big seller? Yeah, uh-huh. I'm, I'm pretty surprised. I so, had some ends with uh, Godbert, too. So, so we're okay. going to take some time off. Uh, the offseason should be a good chance for everyone to get hyped up for next season. We'll uh, have some injuries and other things added in for the, the next go-around, and we'll be back in a few months. All right. Well, uh, thanks, guys, for uh, all of your participation at home also for the FFFL. Uh, it does have with uh, fan participation we have uh, fan run teams and uh, I'm sure that uh, we're going to be not making space but there's probably going to be an opportunity for someone to get picked up by the league right I, I think so I think, think? Some, I, th- I feel like a few of our players who we had this time who never like got involved after their draft they may be <laughs> they may be dropping off next season fair enough if so, you want if you want to be part of the FFFL send us an email at hosts at limitbreakradio.com tell yeah. us why you should be part of the FFFL that's right uh, all right, and uh, we're getting we're getting pretty close to the end of the episode here. Uh, let's, I mean, we have just a little bit of time. Let's uh, take, uh, if we haven't read emails in so long, let's just read this first email here at the top. I don't want to. Uh, Are you sure you want to no. read this one? No, not this one. Why? No. <laughs> We're not reading this one. Skip it. Next one. No, I'm we're <laughs> definitely reading this one. No. Well, oh, is this? Oh, right. no. Oh. Here's the warning I'm going to give you. I performed some quality control on the first one of these that we got. I haven't read this one oh, yet. Oh, is this is a new fanfic? No, it's not. Who's no in way. this one? Mm. Hmm. Oh. No. Ooh. This is horrifying. All right. We'll, we'll have to set this one aside for, for another. Well, okay, but we need like a little bit of a teaser. I mean, who does it feature? Uh, no one. O- obviously... So no Dragoon one. is one of them, but who's the other one? Who's in it? Who's mm, in it? It's Callow. I think it, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's our, 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 our resident uh, 
Dick Ninja. Oh God, he sure <laughs> is. The, the, we can give the title of this one, I guess. It's it's titled uh, "Heavy Thrust." Can I have it? Uh, there you go. I think we need to have uh, Kahlo on for the show. When I think I think you're right. I think you're right. This one. So uh, why don't we take uh, why don't we take another email? Uh, let's go with uh, this one from uh, Anima Exodus of Sergeant Tannis, who says, "Aloha, LBR crew, and hi, Nika." I thought I'd share my FMFFL that involves LBR personally. Uh-oh. After struggling not to fall asleep to some other FF14 podcasts, <laughs> I somehow stumbled upon you guys. <laughs> it's like going back and now I can never go back. It's like going black and now I can never go back. Wow. Wow. That's wow. a new way of thinking of us. Uh, after a few attempts at trying to sort out the uh, transfer over to Swag and Tannis, uh, I finally jumped through all of the hoops of switching servers. $18? What the fuck? Uh, by the time I read uh, the red warning notice about having too much gill, there was no going back for me, and I naively assumed that if my retainers had it, then it would safely transfer over. <laughs> Only a certain oh, amount. Only to have SE mug me for five million gill. Sadly, though, that isn't really the FM FFL that hurts the most. It's the fact that without even trying, I made more than half of that back in just one day of retainer ventures and selling stuff, jump, junking up my inventory. Gill being meaningless is the real FMFFL here. <laughs> that was like the story I had when I jumped to uh, Swagatanis. Yeah? I mean, I gained 600000 in a half an hour just selling my shit. Oh, my God. Jeez. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, so love the quality, uh, love the quality and true entertainment of the show. Keep up the good work. Anima Exodus of Sergeant Tannis. P.S. A burning question. Listening back through the episodes, I've heard several times you guys joking about Kawhi. Is that what that is about? I think so. Okay. Kawhi. Is that uh, okay? I mean, are they thinking like Kawhi? Like cute in Japanese. From the context of your conversations, I wasn't able to figure out why you guys were joking about Kawhi. And as I live on the Garden Island, uh, would like to know why you guys what? mean. It's got to be Kawhi. Like they spelled it like Hawaii. Yeah, Kawhi. We only say Kawhi. I think on like those uh, the anime episode of FEC that we did, like, right? And it's Kawhi. I have no idea. I don't think. Yeah, I didn't think. I laughed about it when Soka like, had it. I would ask. Canon. Okay, all right. Yeah. Oh. It, it, oh that, yeah. Yeah. That that. But it seems like it's a regular reference that they're talking about. Like it, I don't. I don't ever remember using that as a. As a reference point for a joke, do you guys? No. I don't, I don't recall that at so. all. I would say he's got us mixed up with another show, but it's a fumful, so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, guys. Well, anyway, Kawaii is a stupid anime term that means cute. Thank, thanks. <laughs> By the way, I just read that fan fiction. I'm going to go throw up now. This is horrible. <laughs> so you're not going to be the one to narrate it this time? You did such a good job with the last one. I think I'll vomit on your microphone if I do. Can you not? Not if I read it. Too bad. Oh, I don't want to read this. <laughs> Too bad. You, you, you kind of volunteered yourself for this. It's like for, you this up for this like bed. A, yeah. Pandora's box. Yeah. yeah. And so you've got to. You've got to be the fan fiction reader now. Yes. Yeah. And you have to read all of it with conviction. And the music. That's right. Oh, the music oh, will make its sweet return. <laughs> oh man. Oh god. It's 
gross, isn't it? Oh, it is just it's gross, it isn't is it? Just laden with puns. Oh, <laughs> then our our audience is gonna love it. Then they're gonna love it. I might even kiss a dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! All right. Well, uh, to save Escalia a little bit. That's all we have time for here today on Limit Break Radio. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us. LimitBreakRadio.com is the website. Twitch.tv slash LimitBreakRadio is where you're watching us right now. If you're watching us live, you can uh, follow us on social media. That's Facebook.com slash LimitBreakRadio. Twitter.com slash LimitBreakRadio. You can check out the LBR subreddit that exists. That's our LimitBreakRadio. That's a fan-sponsored project. Uh, And if you want to support the show, if you want to uh, if you want to help make Limit Break Radio the standard bearer for FF14 podcasting that it's become in the last two years, then uh, head on over to patreon.com slash limit break radio. We are supported with your donations. So I want to thank everyone who supports us over at patreon.com slash limit break radio. Uh, and something that I wanted to reiterate because, uh, you know, someone had had made mention like, oh, I can't believe that you would have argued with someone who gives you money like that uh, re- regarding the last episode. And I've made this so clear so many times. It you says argue with this, anyone. It says this on the patron page itself that even if you give money to Limit Break Radio, it does not mean you get to exert. So Wes Cali has a gagging issue. Dang. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, you get to you get to sit with all of those comments. Enjoy that. Yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be a fun week. But we've said from the beginning that when you donate to Limit Break Radio, that's not a buy-in on having influence over our our content. That it's not a way for you to uh, ensure that the discussions that you want to hear happen on this show. If you support us at patreon.com slash Limit Break Radio, it means that you're going there to support something that you already like. So if you have a problem with the shit that we make, that, does, that means that you did not do your due diligence to make sure sure that you're 100% down to ride for Limit Break Radio. That's what being a part of the LB Army means. That's what being a part of this community means. It means that, you know what, you're not always going to agree with the shit that comes out of my mouth, and that's not a precondition of listening to this show, but that you support something that has you know that 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 is different that uh, doesn't just tread the same line that every other show does and uh, that's that's something that all of our patrons do for us that we try to give back and if we tried to customize our content and try to make it uh, as as uh, palatable for as many people as possible then the people who have been supporting this show for the 10 years that it's been running or the the year that we've had Patreon up, guess what? They wouldn't like this show as much. And we just do what we feel is the best for this show. If you don't like it, you don't have to give. There's the door. You can go. 
That's fine. We're not going to hold it against you. But if you believe in what we do is important, if you believe that the discussions that we have on the show are important, then consider going over to patreon.com slash limit break radio, giving a dollar a month, five dollars a month. We've got a whole bunch of different rewards at different uh, levels. And remember that. Uh, Kahlo's postcards from Eorzea, uh, a $20 pledge in November, ensures that you're going to get the November exclusive postcard. The first one's great. So head on over to patreon.com slash limit break radio and uh, sign up for whatever fits your budget today. That's going to be it. Uh, one thing to mention is what? that we will what? be around next what? week. Despite it being Thanksgiving weekend, we will be here. Correct. Uh, yeah, I I'm gonna be here. Yeah, yeah. 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 I have to I have to work on Thanksgiving. So okay, yeah. But, we'll, but on Thanksgiving on that Sunday we will be here. Yes, I may not be rude. Anyway, what? <laughs> it's not even on Thanksgiving. Yeah, Nika. Yeah, my mom is visiting from Michigan for the first time since I moved out here. So yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Does this sound judgy? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, join us next week. Yes, we will be here. Uh, we may not have an FEC. I, I don't know what the exact plan is, uh, but we definitely will be here for Limit Break Radio. You can join us every Sunday at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio starting at 1 p.m. if you want to be a part of the live show. That's going to do it for Limit Break Radio for today. I want to thank all of my crew, the hard work of Skuro, who is parsing out all of the interview questions, uh, as well as uh, Papa Woody, who's been filling in for Kahlo. And I want to thank my host, my co-host, Juxtaposition, Escalia Rayumasa, Nika Kayanian. I'm Aniro. Keep listening. Limit Break Radio is a production of LimitBreakRadio.com and Bender Media Productions. This episode was produced by Kuki Persona and Aniro Grigori, Escalia Rayumasa, and The Scuro. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. Funding for Limit Break Radio is provided by Miri Kennett, Captain Failboat, Zurian Urexen, Azura Giacho, Bianca Forwin, Kalina Ashsaber, Thor Carson, My Waifu, Satori Komeji, Darbykins, Sakura-chan, Dark Flux, Null Packer, and fellow Limit Break Radio listeners. To support Limit Break Radio, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. Opening music in this episode from Daniel Lambie. Listen to Man with the Machine Gun and other great tracks at facebook.com slash Gamer. Closing music in this episode provided by Husky by the Geek. Listen to this and other great Final Fantasy XIV and video game rock covers and original music at facebook.com slash Husky by the Geek. In-game graphics for Limit Break Radio's Twitch streams are provided by Diamond Multimedia. Check out their line of AMD graphics cards and other hardware at diamondmm.com. Limit Break Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content.